the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. All right. It is a Monday. I'm all fired up for it. Are you all fired up for it, too, there? Let me say that in a in a Southern way. Are you all fired up for it, too? I am. I'm ready to go. Definitely I'm ready to go. You know, that's the one word that I really have to work at because of... Um, of my upbringing, I don't say for, I say fur. Now that's either F E R or F U R. All right, but it's fur, not F O R. There's that. Here's what I've also found out that uh, in the South, you don't hear, you'll hear people not say Washington, they say Washington. Have you noticed that? Yeah, Washington. Washington D.C. and and just it's just uh, you know the way we pronounce words no big deal to me but when you're doing when you're broadcasting you're supposed to do the correct pronunciation I've yet to find out which is the correct is it Caribbean or it's or is it Caribbean I think it's about fifty fifty I've always in fact, when I went to school, Zach, I don't know if, did you, did you, when you went to school, did they sit you down and make you guys read a lot of stuff and then they would grade you on how you pronounced words? Yeah. Okay. So they did, they did that with us too. For instance, better not say Illinois. You know, Ellen, pardon me. That's not right. That's the correct way. Illinois is the correct way. Illinois was the way right. a lot of people say it. Yeah. And they don't say, a lot of people don't say Italian. They mm-hmm. say Italian. It's true. They hit that first eye real hard, Italian. Uh, and and we would be graded on all of that. Yeah. Well, I got into a huge debate with my teacher because I would, see, I would say Caribbean. And he said, no, Dave, it's Caribbean. So we ended up, going to like four different encyclopedic dictionaries looking at the pronunciation and it was 50-50. And another word that I've been no, uh, noticing lately that they're changing the way they're saying it. You don't, it used to be there is no cow in Moscow. It's Moscow. The Soviet Union. You go to Moscow. It is not cow, Moscow, just not there. And I'm noticing more and more uh, anchors saying Moscow. So I, I don't know what's going on. There's things changing. It's changing. So we'll just have to. I just, I just read an article and it's on my mind. That's why I'm I'm talking about it. It's you know chasing rabbits like I like to do. Uh, when I, I see things, it gets my attention, and I check it out. But 
Whenever I go on a cruise, I go to the I go to the Caribbean now because I was forced to pronounce that way, and I stuck with saying Caribbean uh, as well. So anyway, stuff that we that we work on. Interesting article from NBC News, and it's Democrats' worst fear. All right, in the wake of President Donald Trump's tweets suggesting several non-white progressive Congresswomen go back to their countries. Three of them were born in the USA. It's tempting for Democrats to believe the comments will backfire with an increasingly diverse electorate and seriously damage his reelection prospects. But the cold reality for Democrats, the bulk of the nation's democratic or yeah, demographic transformation is taking place in states that matter the least in deciding the electoral college. That's, this is something you have to understand. Not the popular vote that changes, that, that determines the presidency. It is the Electoral College. Per the Constitution of the United States. Now, I know there's some of you listening right now could give a tinker's damn about the Constitution of the United States. You want to suppress the First Amendment. You want to get rid of the Second Amendment. You'd like to get rid of the Electoral College. Those are things, you, you and you'd like to do it without having to pass any kind of constitutional changes to do it, i.e., look how they're trying to get around the Electoral College. And states are saying, well, if our, you know, if if we get the majority votes for one candidate, we're going to split it up and we'll send so much electoral there and so much electoral and they're just trying to do everything to get rid of the electoral college democrats worst nightmare came true in november 16 when hillary clinton captured 2.9 million more votes than donald trump but he still comfortably prevailed in the electoral college 306 to 232 As much as they'd like to purge that outcome from memory, Democrats would be unwise to write it off as a fluke. There's been a lot of electoral college decisions uh, in the uh, race for the presidency. In 2020, it's possible Trump could win 5 million fewer votes than his opponent and still win a second term. Now, for me, that's no big deal. I mean, I look uh, at the Electoral College, and I think this way, people who live in states that do not have as many people as, say, the urbanized West in California have a way to have an equal say as the people in their state in California. The nation's two most populous states, California and Texas, are at the heart of the Democrats' geography problem. Both of these big states are growing more diverse at a much faster rate than the nation, owing up to booming Asian and Latino populations and are trending towards Democrats. And I don't, I don't understand this. I do not understand why you trend, uh, you're coming in from another country and you trend towards Democrats. I, I guess because they're the ones that want to leave anybody come in in any way. They don't care. Not so with most Republicans and conservatives. Yet neither blue California nor red Texas 
may play a pivotal role in a close 2020 election. Over the past four years, for which census estimates are available, California's population of non-white voting age citizens has exploded by one and a half million, while its number of white voting age citizens has declined by a net of 162,000. 162.7 thousand. The Golden State's uh, GOP is in free fall. In May 18, the state's Republican registrants fell to third place behind no party preference. In 2016, Clinton stretched Barack Obama's 2012 margin from three to 4.2 million votes. But padding that margin by another 1.2 million votes wouldn't yield a 2020 Democratic nominee a single additional electoral vote. They already got all of them. Over that same period, Texas has added a net 1.1 non-white voting age citizens and just 200,000 white voting age citizens. Texas' economic boom has attracted a diverse, highly professional workforce to the urban centers of Dallas, Houston, Austin, and San Antonio, and shifted the state's politics leftward, especially as GOP votes have begun to max out in stagnant rural areas. 2016, Clinton cut Obama's 2012 deficit from 1.2 million to just over 800,000. But again, even cutting Trump's margin by 800,000 wouldn't yield the 2020 Democratic nominee a single additional electoral vote. She lost. You lose. All the electoral votes go to the winner. Keep that in mind. In the state's electoral votes. Democrats' potential inefficiencies aren't limited to California and Texas. The list of the nation's top 15 fastest diversifying states also includes the sizable yet safely blue states of New York, New Jersey, Massachusetts, Maryland, Washington, and Oregon. Meanwhile, Democratic transformation isn't nearly as rapid in the narrow band of states that are best positioned to decide the Electoral College, a factor that seriously aids Trump. 2016, Trump's victory hinged on three great lake states he won by less than a point. Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin won Michigan by two-tenths, Pennsylvania seven-tenths, Wisconsin eight-tenths. All three of these aging I want you to listen to the way they describe this, all right? <coughs> Relatively white states have some of the nation's highest shares of white voters without college degrees. See, they're just dumb as a bunch of, as a, as a pillowcase full of rocks, okay? Only, only those smart states, really, that's the only states that we should be counting their, their votes. And then we should count them two times, okay, or something like that. That's the way the Democrats kind of look at it a group trending away from Democrats over the long term. And the non-white share of the eligible electorate in each of the three has increased at only a quarter to a half of the rate it has surged in California, Texas, and Nevada. Democrats eagerly point out that they swept Senate and governor's races in Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin in 18. And they flipped the two seats in Michigan and four in Pennsylvania on their way to taking back the House. But Trump could lose Michigan and Pennsylvania and still win the Electoral College so long as he carries every other place he won in 2016. And Wisconsin didn't provide as clear a verdict in 2018. 
Even with favorable turnout in a blue wave, Democrats won Wisconsin's governor's race only by a point and failed to gain a House seat. If enough Trump voters who sat out 2018, particularly white working-class men, returned to polls in 2020, the Badger State goes red. There are three other states Trump carried by fewer than five points in 2016 and could play a decisive role in 2020. Arizona, three and a half. Florida, 1.2. North Carolina, 3.7. Of the Sun Belt trio, Florida was the closest in 2016, yet remains one of the Democrats' biggest frustrations. Well, see, what they need to do is they need to move more snowbirds from the eastern seaboard and, and north down to the Miami-Broward County area and just keep on loading that up and seeing if they can't lessen the impact of the panhandle because hence the problem for the Democrats. The southern part votes typically blue around Miami, uh, Fort Lauderdale, those types of areas. Even I think Tampa tends to uh kind of lean that way urban areas tend to lean democratic while uh, rural farming and those type of areas tend to uh, lean more republican or red and so it's it's going to be interesting to see how all of this is going to work out over the past four years of census data it had the nation's eighth sharpest increase in non-white share of voting age citizens that's florida But the Sunshine State's trend lines favor Trump. The rapid influx of conservative Midwestern retirees to, what did I just tell you, the Panhandle, the Gulf Coast, Redneck Riviera, as we we refer to it here on the show, along with Florida's above-average Hispanic support for GOP candidates, explains why Senator Scott and Governor DeSantis, both Republicans, defied the blue wave in 18. Democrats' strongest Sunbelt pickup opportunity in 2020 may actually be Arizona. Its electorate isn't very rural, and its share of non-white voting age citizens is growing at the third fastest rate in the country, behind only Nevada and California. How many of them are legal? That's something that's got to be asked. But that's why the question, are you an American citizen, on the census is important. Unlike in Florida, where Democrats lost the Senate seat, Arizona picked up a Senate seat, Democrats did in 18, and North Carolina looks likely to remain competitive as the Research Triangle, Charlotte, and the Piedmont Triad continue to attract young left-leaning professionals. Together, these six states, let me read them off to you, Arizona, Florida, Michigan, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin are best positioned to decide which candidate reaches the magic 270 electoral votes. That's not to say that other states won't be close. Possible Trump could win Maine, Minnesota, Nevada, or New Hampshire, and it's possible the Democrat nominee could win Georgia, Iowa, Ohio, or Texas. I'm going to just tell you, Texas is a long shot. That's still a long shot in 2020. But if either scenario materializes, the election will be a blowout and the victor will likely have already won the swing six comfortably. Here's your bottom line. 
Mired at an approval rating in the low 40s, Trump has a narrow path to re-election, but the concentration of demographic change in non-competitive states, particularly California and Texas, threatens to further widen the chasm between the popular vote and the Electoral College. That will ease his path. Trump could once again win less with less than 47%, a victory threshold far below the share of the popular vote the Democrat might need. The ultimate nightmare scenario for Democrats may look something like this. Trump loses the popular vote by, say, more than 5 million ballots. Because remember, you win or lose a complete state, whether you win or lose that state. It's not, those electoral votes in most states are not divvied up depending on what the percentage of the votes that you get. It's a winner-take-all. And the Democratic nominee... Uh, nominee converts Michigan and Pennsylvania back to blue, but Trump wins re-election by two electoral votes by uh, hanging on to Arizona, Florida, North Carolina, Wisconsin, and Maine's second congressional district, one of the widest and best and least college-educated districts in the country. A scenario that divergent isn't especially likely, but after 2016, Democrats shouldn't scout that either. Now, when I come back next hour, we're going to talk more about this with Robert because it's important that you got to understand how this is all going to play out. I believe the president will win comfortably on the Electoral College. I think he'll win Florida. I think he'll win Arizona. It's going to be uh, too close to call in Nevada, but I think he can win Nevada. He will not win California. He will not win Oregon. He will not win Washington State. He will win Idaho. Uh, New Mexico, I believe, is going to be a toss-up as well. And I think it's going to be a toss-up because of over uh, what's going on on the border. Democrats, because of their belief in basically open borders, belief in giving everybody free health care when even American citizens can't get free health care, it's going to hurt them. I mean, they really, really hurt themselves a couple of weeks back. And I'm going to tell you what, you're going to see it in, uh, in uh, commercials come uh, next year when uh, whoever is for the Democrats is running. Uh, you're going to see ads that show all of those Democratic uh, uh, proponents standing on the stage and they're asked, who of you believe that the illegals should get free health care? And they all all raised their hands that's going to be devastating to them be devastating we got to get a break in let me do that about 25 minutes after i got uh, some things that congresswoman uh Tlaib had to say i got something that mr scarborough had to say for morning joe and of course we can't do a day without aoc gotta have her in there as well all that's coming your way here in the first hour of the dave ellswick show all right, back with you. News coming up, bottom of the hour at 2.30. So before we get there, let me play Congresswoman uh, Tlaib here and what she had to say about... Okay, this will take us right to the news. Here's what Democrats are thinking out there. So recently I introduced the Boost Act. This legislation completely repeals the GOP tax scam that is only helping wealthy individuals, the rich, the corporations. And do you know what I did with that money? 
you know what I said? Mm-mm. We're going to go ahead and put it into the uh, pockets of folks like everyday Americans. If you make less than $100,000, you're going to get up to $6,000 in your pocket. And if you make less than $50,000, you're going to get $3,000. That's what we do with our public dollars. We give it back to the people, the people that earned it. This is at the so NAACP. The may not be a salary, as some people defer it, but it is a signal that we've gone too far in providing for corporations and the rich and those on top and have not taken care of our everyday folks, our neighbors. All right, back with you. It's funny. I'm, sometimes I wonder if people are listening and watching on what's going on as far as uh, here on doing the uh, Facebook because I just got a text in. Let me let me share it with you. You just heard what I talked about. We were talking about the electoral vote. And uh, this comes from, where is it here? Okay. Joe Koss. Says, Dave wanted to see if you had time this week to have Trent England on to talk about his latest op-ed in the Daily Wire concerning the national popular vote. And he says, uh, England, how much green does it take to see a blue wall? And that's what he's asking. So we'll see if we can get him on. Might be an interesting discussion on Wednesday. I'll try to get him on because tomorrow's power panel. By the way, tomorrow we're going to be at All Aboard Restaurant down in Benton from 2 to 6. I hope that you'll come by and visit with us and join us. Uh, Have some great food. Uh, Sit in and listen to the power panel. They're all going to be there. Jan Morgan's going to be there. Uh, Paul Calvert's going to be there. Artie Hopper's going to be there. I'll be there. And then in the final hour, uh, Scott. Uh, Stuart from Agape is going to be there along with Steve Hess and the Bible guys, the original two. Billy can't make it uh, next week or this tomorrow. And so uh, he will not be there, but uh, we'll all be right there at All Aboard. So come by, say hi to everybody, talk to them a little bit if you'd like to, and uh, get you an opportunity to do that. Now, we're not going to be able to be on uh, Facebook, will we, if we're out there? we uh, Do we dare go down and just try can we take the Mevo and try to use my phone as a hotspot and see if we can't broadcast from there? You could do that. We could try that. You want to try mm-hmm. it? Okay. We will try. I guarantee nothing, all right, because it all depends on how many people are using the phone at any given time. So, uh, but we'll take it down and I'll apply, uh, apply the uh, uh, hotspot that I have to it. Will Jan still be able to, could she still jump on it if, even if I'm the hot spot? Yeah, you think so? Okay, we'll give it a try for her too. That way, I like that just because we get a few calls from other places in the country, so we'll see what happens. And we've got so many things to talk about. Let's go back, and again, not to, I want you to hear this cut from Tlaib again, Congresswoman Tlaib, and listen to what... She sounds like Robin Hood. She should be up there with that funky little hat on with a feather sticking out of the side and a bow and arrow on her on her back, you know. And uh, I don't know, what was it, Errol Flynn wore. He had that kind of green 
garb. I'm talking about the old Robin Hood and Zach. I understand you don't you don't even know who Errol Flynn is, okay? Uh, Errol Flynn during his day was Mr. Swashbuckler. You know, he was he was always out trying to right the wrongs. Here's what everybody forgets about Robin Hood, all right? Because they gave that steals from the rich and gives to the poor. But the rich was the state. It was the state. It wasn't individuals, so to speak. It was the government that he was stealing from and giving to the poor. It wasn't a democratic society they lived in. It was a king that was over everybody, and he was overtaxing everybody. That's what it was about, okay? This is just the opposite. They want to take from people taxes. They're the government taking people taxes, and then they'll sprinkle it about to the people they think should get some money. Here's uh, Tlaib talking about her idea of doing this. So recently I introduced the Boost Act. This legislation completely repeals the GOP tax scam that is wholly helping wealthy individuals, the rich, the corporations. And do you know what I did with that money? Do you know what I said? Mm -mm. We're going to go ahead and put it into the uh, pockets of folks like everyday Americans. If you make less than $100,000, you're going to get up to $6,000 in your pocket. And if you make less than $50,000, you're going to get $3,000. That's what we do with our public dollars. We give it back to the people, the people that earned it. Okay, that's enough. The people who earned it. Now, wait a second. Here you have the government saying... And in this case, just to leave. I don't know how many. I don't know how many people who are, who are signed on to her Boost Act. All right, Boost can have two different. Number one can have two different definitions. You can go out and you can boost something as far as make it into more of something, right? Okay, or you can boost something, which is steal something. We go out and boost that car, and uh, I telling you right now her definition is boost a car okay taking stuff because she wants as the government government she wants them to take the money of the rich and how did they get their money for the most part they own companies and things of that nature that's how they made their money so they earned it by employing a lot of people and things of that nature and paying them for doing the work so those people were getting paid but she says that's not the case, basically, because the money she's going to give out to people who make less than $100,000, those are the people who earned it. Does anybody see what's wrong with that kind of thought process? A lot of people do, but there's a whole lot of other people who think that that's just fine. As long as it's not their money that's being told. I'll be honest with you on that. As long as they're not touching their their money, they're okay with it. No problem whatsoever. So just keep that in mind. Quote, I'm going to be Robin Hood. I'm the government. We're going to take from the rich and give to the poor because only the poor earn it. They only earn. They're the only people who earn their, uh, their money. And, and notice... If you make under a hundred thousand dollars a year, a hundred thousand to fifty thousand dollars, you get supposedly, because of course the, the devil's in the details of this, six thousand dollars. If you're 
making less than $50,000 a year, you're going to get $3,000 a year. That's, that's how it's going to break down. Now, how do you get that money? That's the question she doesn't answer. She just says, you're going to get six grand. The other part's going to get three grand. Are they sending you a check? Is that how that's going to work? You know, I'm going to go to my mailbox one day because I make under $100,000, significantly under $100,000 a year. And I'm going to go to my my uh, uh, post office uh, box or I'm going to go out to my mailbox and I'm going to reach in one day and there's going to be a check for me for $6,000. Something tells me that ain't going to happen, Zach. You think so? You make over fifty? No, you don't. Okay, so you're gonna get three grand. You think you're gonna wake up one day and you can go to the mailbox and there's gonna be a three thousand dollar check for you, courtesy of the U.S. government? I don't think that's gonna happen either. They'll say something like, "We named uh, we named a hundred yards of uh, highway for you." You know, you and eight thousand other people. You know that, that that's your three thousand dollars we're giving back. So every time you drive over that, that um, you know, 20 yards of street, know that you made that happen. <laughs> just, just saying. And I'm not, I'm not expecting to see checks anytime in the mail. That's the way it works. So a lot of you, I know, watch uh, MSNBC uh, or CNN or one of those trashy, you know, TV shows. I don't watch them. I don't. I don't watch Fox early in the morning anymore. I don't get up that early anymore. Just refuse to, and uh, and and watch that stuff. I'm going to hear it. I'm going to hear it again, over and over and over again, all the way through the the rest of the day. Uh, but on Morning Joe, now they're MSNBC, right? They're not CNN. They're MSNBC. Okay. So anyway, one of the the lefty groups. Here's the key. Joe Scarborough, Morning Joe. Him and Mika, they're married. They're, they're a couple. And and luckily so because um, if you're that lefty, you'd only get along with another lefty. And they're both left as far as they go. So you, except when it comes to how much they get paid. Just telling you, they're real capitalists at that point. Uh, you look at uh, Scarborough, and, and he said he made a prediction about Trump in 2020. And I, I want to play this, and then, Zach, please put this. I know that we got a little area that we put things that we want to hold on to. Hold on to this, because I want to play it the day after the election. Here is what Scarborough says. Donald Trump, speaking of U.S. soldiers in Iraq, said, yeah, well, we kill a lot of people, too. Comparing our soldiers unfavorably to Vladimir Putin. So please, Stephen Miller, please, Donald Donald, and no better. you're making a fool of yourself again. This is very badly for you. Speaking of which, Elise, um, all of this is deeply offensive, but I'm already tired at all the op-eds I'm going to have to read. After Donald Trump loses in a landslide, people saying, well, of course, this was due to happen because his bigotry only appealed to <laughs> one third of the elect. That will happen. Just like we said, Donald Trump could win. I'm telling you, that will happen. This is, what, this is what gets me. This is such a losing proposition. This is the politics of subtraction. There is no way this leads to victory. This gets women, suburban voters, 
uh, educated voters, uh, of course, people of color. It gets them fired up in a way that they'll they'll go out to vote, whereas this depresses a lot of support for Donald Trump. I, I, that's what I don't understand, at least, why he's being a bigot and a racist thinking that that's going to help him get elected. It's not. It's going to ensure that he is routed next year. All right. That's Joe Scarborough. It's the same man who thought Hillary was going to win, hands down, no problems. And I remember them waking up after Election Day, looking at the camera like deer in the headlight of an oncoming train. Okay, just just remember that. And they say what they've said about the uh, the ladies that uh, are uh, congresswomen is racist. Problem is, a lot of people don't buy that it's racist. I mean, a lot of us, personally, I wish the president would have said, hey, look, if you don't love America, why don't you just, you know, I'll give you a ticket. You can go wherever you want to go, so you'll be happy. Uh, but that's, you know, that's not what he said. And that's what he meant, though. It's exactly what he meant. I understood what he what he meant. Most Americans do understand, unless you're on the left and you're trying to incite people to believe that he is racist all the way to his core, completely, unequivocally racist to the bottom of his soul. And, and I don't buy that. I just don't buy that. I was talking to friend of mine who just was up in New York, just got back, said he went to Trump Tower, said outside Trump Tower there's a, there's a uh, Hispanic guy holding a big sign wearing a Make America Great Again hat talking about how Trump's going to win in 2020, just screaming at everybody, come back, Trump 2020, Trump 2020. And he said he talked to the guy, got some pictures with him, and the guy said, the the libs don't understand. The people who come to this country the correct way, they don't want to see open borders. They don't want to see that happening. The press, they go out and just talk to the crazy people and say things. I saw an article over the weekend about, uh, what was it, Mayor Scott and Carpenter, the, the, the lawyer for the city and the police chief, I believe, all dancing in circles, not to call Little Rock a sanctuary city. A welcoming city is what they kept saying. Little Rock is a welcoming city. So you who are Ill, here illegally, our officers will not ask you, you know, for your status and your, your profiling if you do. And uh, I don't think that's profiling. I li- I'd like to really know what they're going to do. Um, if ICE comes here and wants to have a raid and they tell the police that they're coming and let's say they give them a week's notification, are they going to help or are they going to hinder? That's going to say a lot about their whole thing about, well, we're not a sanctuary city. We're just a welcoming city. I mean, that's, that's why they'll give you an ID card, even though you're illegal, because they're not going to ask you if you're illegal. I think that's ridiculous. You don't need a bunch of illegal people running around. We want more. Like, where was the where's the guy lived at that was uh, that just killed the three people 
over the weekend or last end of last week was here in the in the United States had been uh, tossed out twice came back this time he killed three people two of them were kids that's never a big thing right unbelievable all right 250 got to get a break in I'm late sorry Zach you've been over there giving me the break sign for the last five but I'm on a rant today I'm on it bro I'm talking about it today we got more to play for Scarborough I'm holding this on you Joe morning Joe I'm holding this on you and I will try we'll, if this goes the way I believe it is we'll try to give you a call see if you come on and disown it it's Dave Ellswick show stick with us we got more to talk about All right, we're down to the uh, last few moments. Let me remind you quickly about Applied Research Center of Arkansas, who has a full-service walk-in clinic uh, that is over uh, on the west side of the city. A great place to go, especially for your kids for the school physicals. They're right there next to the uh, the Burger King on Rodney Parham, west side, just before you get uh, where it goes up on, uh, was it Green Mountain? At the high, at the uh, the stoplight, turn to the right uh, as you're going to the west. Uh, you're going to take uh, Rodney Paramore. If you go straight, you're on Henson, right there in that area by the big Regions Bank there, right next to the uh, uh, the Burger Place, Burger King Place. That's where they're at, and their full service service walk-in clinic. You can see a doctor, and they can check you out if you're not feeling good and stuff. But right now, school physicals. That's a big deal right now. School physicals and they'll do that for you over at applied research center of arkansas you need directions and things of that nature go to their website arcarkansas.com arcarkansas.com or you can call them 501-954-7822 that's 501-954-7822 and don't forget about all their current studies they got going on they're still looking for people to take part in those studies Last phase of uh, making sure a drug's ready to go on the marketplace. You get the drugs free. You get to be paid while you're going through the study. Some of these studies last three, four years. You can make a pretty good little nest egg off of these. But you need to meet the requirements of the study. For instance, uh, kidney stones, 12 years of age and older, have chronic kidney damage from too much oxalate in your urine. These are some tests that they'll run if you're okay, you, you you pass, you qualify, then they'll talk to you about taking part in the study. Again, that's Applied Research Center of Arkansas, ARCArkansas.com, phone number 501-954-7822. Randy and his wife take good care of you over there, so keep that in mind. All right, four minutes till. Do I have time? Do we got time to play AOC, cut three? We do, okay. AOC. Back at it, claiming that the president is allowing neo-Nazi groups to operate uh, freely in the United States. Here you go. He is stoking white supremacy, and he is allowing, frankly, neo-Nazi groups to go off unchecked because that is a key part of rousing his base. But we cannot allow and give in to that. Okay. You just heard what she said. Neo-Nazi groups. He's the, the president of the United States is allowing neo-Nazi groups to operate freely. Unbelievable. 
she says this and has no, has no um, backing information, has no proof of it uh, at all. People just say things now as though they're gospel and they're not. I mean, people have their own podcasts, people do this, people do that, and they just say things. And they have no definitive, hard proof. Here, here's AOC again. Here she, here she goes. He is stoking white supremacy, and he is allowing, frankly, neo-Nazi groups to go off unchecked because that is a key part of rousing his base. But we cannot allow and give in to that. <laughs> Where's your proof? Where is your proof? Un. Believable. Yeah, he just goes on. He's he's got neo Nazi groups doing his things. I pardon me, but I have not seen I've not seen swastikas or anything being being waved at uh, Trump rallies or anything. Neo Nazi groups are tied closely to Nazi ideology. They wear the stuff. They they believe in this stuff. I mean, we've got some groups like that that are here in the uh, the state of Arkansas. They've tried to get on my show. I've said no. Don't let it happen. Don't look. I I'm not going to let them on. I don't let the Black Panthers on. I don't do those people. Just don't do it. All right. We got more coming your way next hour. Robert Steinbach will be with us about three thirty here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Back with you. All right. Sometimes you got to go do something else and you run out and things go out. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, uh, six minutes after three, Robert will be here in a few moments. I got one more piece of audio for you before he gets here. Uh, Cheney was out talking about the Democrats. This is the female Cheney. This is not the former vice president. And uh, here's what... uh, at least that's what I've been told. Okay, so this is what they said about the Democrats' socialist agenda that you heard a lot of just in the last hour. Here we go. Cut four. The president this morning tweeted that they don't love their country. Uh, you've made that point. Mark. The rest yes. of the world is also watching this, though. That's right. Um, Canada's prime minister said the comments made were hurtful, wrong, completely unacceptable. Germany's chancellor said these sentiments are Who in opposition cares? to her impressions about the U.S., and she expressed solidarity, in her words, with the attacked women. The prime minister of the U.K. issued a statement condemning this, of New Zealand. These aren't members of the media. These are world leaders. Should Americans find the comments from the president acceptable? Margaret, listen, I know you want to continue to talk about this as though it had to do with Here race. I know you want to continue to talk about it you as though it had... all those world leaders Margaret, I just let you... I just let you go through. Look, I don't think the American people are going to look to foreign leaders to tell us who Thank should you. lead the nation. They're not going to look to foreign leaders to tell us whether or not we should be a socialist country. Thank goodness we won't do that. We depend upon those people who are elected. And I think that when you see the, the Democratic members of Congress uh, standing up and saying that they want to, you know, that, that we have concentration mm-hmm. camps on our borders, that they want to provide free health care for illegal immigrants, that they want to end sure. private health insurance, that they want to impose socialism on this country, they need to defend those policy positions. And we are going to take every opportunity to make sure the American people 
who are the ones that are going to make this choice uh, come <laughs> November 2020 recognize the fundamental choice that we're all facing. There you go. Thank you very much. Lo- a, 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 a logical answer there. I mean, you know, they, they're trying to paint what the president said as being this terrible thing that he said about these four women. And yet they don't you know, look at what all of these countries think about us. Well, what do they think when AOC says we got concentration camps out on the uh, the border? Huh? Don't talk about that one, do you? Because I have to believe that even the world leaders would look and say, well, that's beyond the pale. There's no such thing as a Nazi concentration camp on the border of the United States. Good God, these are people that are coming here. We're not rounding, going out and rounding them. Last I looked, we didn't have the United States military personnel, you know, our Delta Force and whatever, out rounding up Mexicans in Mexico and rounding up uh, Guatemalans and and other people from other countries and bringing them to uh, our internment centers. Now, if we were doing that, kidnapping people, basically, and bringing them and depositing them, I might say AOC might have something going for her. But she has nothing going for her because it's absolutely the opposite. Woman's a nut job. Come on. She is absolutely crazy. And the media loves her. The Democrats act like they love her, but I don't think they do. Pelosi has about had her fill of her. Told them, told the four of them to basically, you know, give you know, give it a break on their uh, uh, on their Twitter feeds and all the rest. They're going to call. I'm going. I'm going to warn you, folks out there on the left and Democratic Party. They're going to cause you to lose the election. It's what they're going to do. Between that and the president's great economy that's going down, going on right now, pfft, it's a no-brainer. Why was it? I'll tell you what. Here's what we hear. What is it? Uh, was it uh, uh, Sanders talks about? You know, yeah, we want to do socialism and do it right. We we, we don't want to do it like. Uh, the Venezuelans or the Cubans or the Chinese or the Russians or any of those people, we want to do it like Sweden. As though, you know, they got it really going. You know, we got to have democratic uh, socialism. Problem is, the socialism that they have is more capitalistic in many instances than what's going on here in the United States. Here, John Stossel did a small segment here. Listen, uh, Towards the end, and I'll post this for you on on Facebook so that you can go watch the entire entire documentary about this. But listen to this. Today, many Americans don't like capitalism. Socialism would be better, they say. Not repressive Russian or Venezuelan socialism, but democratic socialism, like what's practiced in Scandinavia. I think we should look to countries like Denmark, like Sweden. Yeah. Say, so, well, you want to be like Sweden? Kind of. Sounds pretty good. People interviewed in this just released PBS documentary say America should be more like Sweden. 
It seems like it's like a place that like no problems or something. Uh, it is a socialist economy. Volvos and uh, socialized medicine. Uh, Volvo is now a Chinese company. Welcome to Stockholm, Sweden. My name is Johan Norberg, and this is where I was born and raised. Johan Norberg made this documentary because he wanted to set the record straight. Sweden is not socialist because the government doesn't own the means of production. To see that, you have to go to Venezuela or to Cuba or North Korea. But we did have a period in the 1970s and 1980s when we had something that resembled socialism, a big government that taxed and spent heavily. And that's the period in Swedish history when our economy was going south. So much so that even socialists complained about the high taxes. Astrid Lindgren, who wrote the very popular children's books, Pippa Longstocking, for instance, she, she was a social democrat, but she had made a lot of money from her books. She found that she paid 102% in taxes. She wrote this angry essay about a, a witch uh, who was quite mean and vicious, but not at all as vicious as the Swedish tax authorities. And yet even though taxes were high, they did not bring in enough money to fund Sweden's welfare state. There were waiting lines to get health care. People couldn't get the pension that they thought that they depended on for the future. At that point, the, the Swedish population just said, enough, we, we can't do this. Sweden then reduced government's role. They cut public spending, privatized the national rail network, abolished certain government monopolies, eliminated inheritance taxes, and sold state-owned businesses like the maker of Absolute Vodka. Lower taxes um, reformed the pension system so that it wasn't unsustainable. The results from the spending cuts and privatization? This impoverished peasant nation developed into one of the world's richest countries. All I hear is that Sweden is this socialist paradise. We do have a bigger welfare state than the U.S., higher taxes than the U.S., but in other areas, uh, when it comes to free markets, when it comes to competition, when it comes to free trade, Sweden is actually more free market. That free market pays for Sweden's big welfare programs. Today, our taxes pay for pensions. You call it social security. For 18-month paid parental leave, government paid childcare for working families. But having the government manage all of these things didn't work well. So we had to manage it in another way. They privatized. We realized in Sweden that with these government monopolies, we don't get the innovation that we get when we have competition. And this is particularly true for the school system. Sweden switched to a school voucher system that lets parents pick their kids' school and forces schools to compete. And uh, one of the results private. that we've seen is not just that the private schools are better than the public ones, but even the public schools in the vicinity of private schools, they often improve. Because they have to. Sweden's version of Social Security was going broke, so Sweden privatized that too. Privatized the pension system, that terrifies people. And obviously that scares people, but when they realized that the alternative was that the whole pension system would collapse, they thought that this is much better than nothing. Now, the bulk of pensions is really contribution-defined. So if things are going well for Sweden, pensions are increasing. But if things are going less well, pensions are automatically lowered, which basically takes away from politicians the ability to buy votes by just promising higher pensions and letting future generations pay. And when it comes to taxes, what Sweden does may surprise you. 
The low-income earners in Sweden pay a lot more than low-income earners in America. So despite the fact that Sweden looks like sort of a socialist country which taxes the rich exorbitantly high, the truth is the opposite. People who earn below average income pay up to 60% in taxes. This is the dirty little secret about the Swedish tax system. We don't take from the rich and give to the poor. We squeeze the poor because they are loyal taxpayers. Not taking more from the rich. School choice. Privatization. Sweden is anything but socialist. You can't turn your backs to the, um, to the well, uh, to the creation of wealth. You can watch the full documentary, Sweden, Lessons for America, at freetochoose.tv. All right, go to freetochoose.tv. All right, go there and watch this whole thing. Because all the stuff that you're hearing from the left is not true. Not true. If you make under $35,000 a year in Sweden, can I say that the way a Swedish person is in Sweden, uh, you're going to pay 60% taxes on it. 60%. Unlike here in the United States where we got a progressive tax system, so the less that you make, the less that you pay in taxes. As well as get free money you know, the unearned income tax credit and all of that kind of, it's called the earned income. I call it the unearned income tax credit because all you got to know is how to do the old in and out and have a kid and you get money given to you. It's bottom line. All right. I mean, maybe we need to be more like Sweden. I'm just, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. All right. We got to get a break in. Let's let's do that. It's uh, what do we got about 18, 18 minutes after three. We got Robert coming up here pretty soon. I wonder how many Americans would really love Swedish socialism, which they say they don't have other than they, they have partial socialism, just like we do. Look, Social Security is socialism. There's no doubt about it. And uh, you pay in it all your life and then you, you hope that you live long enough to get what you paid into it back. Just the way it works. We got more coming your way here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back with you. Last uh, subject before we get to the bottom of the hour. We got about uh, six minutes here. Got uh, Robert Steinbach coming up in the next uh, half hour and be with us until uh, the six o'clock chime. That, you know, I'm going to get a bell like you got on Wall Street so we can ring it when the show's done. I think I'm going to do that. Interesting story. This one uh, from uh, dealing with the music, uh, the Middle East from the week. Here's what it says. Defense minister demands more funding as crisis overseas tanker deepens. The Royal Navy. Remember, the big thing that allowed England to have the huge... uh, reach they had over the world during the time that they were the number one power was what? Their Navy. Their Navy. That's, that's what made them so, uh, so formidable. The defense minister says the Royal Navy now is too small to even counter the potential threat from Iran. Tobias Elwood told the Times, quote, the threats we're facing are changing in front of us. 
the world is getting more complex. If we are wanting to continue to play this influential role on the international stage, it requires further funding for our armed forces, not least the Royal Navy. Our Royal Navy is too small to manage our interests across the globe. The news comes after it emerged that Tehran had ignored warnings from a British warship against seizing a UK flag tanker in the Gulf. The Stena Impero and her 23 strong crew are being held by Iranian forces after they were taken on Friday while passing through the Strait of Hormuz. The Guardian says the British government is facing accusations it had, quote, failed to significantly guard its shipping in the Gulf, unquote. Another newspaper, I'm, this is all the newspapers in Britain, all right? They're going after their government. The Independent says the crisis has, quote, roiled UK politics ahead of a potentially contentious week in which Boris Johnson is likely to take over as prime minister from Theresa May. In the Iranian media, the mood is more defiant and cheery. The newspaper there cheered, quote, tanker for tanker. Iran acted on its pledge while the conservative Resolet declared, quote, the Queen's thieves captive in the strait, unquote. Now, part of this has to do with a warship that was taken during, in the Straits of Gibraltar by the U.K., an Iranian tanker who was running oil to places it wasn't supposed to be running oil to. The news of the Royal Navy's shortages comes on top of another embarrassment in which audio was released of the Iranian Revolutionary Guard and the Royal Navy, both giving instructions to the UK flag tanker before it was seized by Tehran. In the recording, an Iranian officer can be heard telling the commander of the Sternen, if you obey, you will be safe. Allow, alter your course to 360 degrees immediately over. The Royal Navy asked the Iranians to, quote, please confirm that you are not intending to violate international law by unlawfully attempting to board the MV Stena, unquote. Meanwhile, the Daily Telegraph reports warnings that Iranian-backed terror cells could launch attacks in the U.K. if the crisis between London and Tehran deepens. Intelligence sources claim that Tehran has sleeper terror cells across Europe and could give the go-ahead for attacks in response to a conflict in the Gulf. Now, what has everybody been saying about all of these people that came from the Middle East without any kind of vetting that the European nations allowed to just flood into their countries that bad players, bad actors could be in mixed amongst them? And that seems to be the case now. Now, the, you know, they've, I'm going to tell you, I think they've done a pretty good job over there because we're, these people that are in their countries that have these sleeper cells only have to be right once in one of their attacks to kill, you know, hundreds or not thousands of people. Uh, the people that are over there trying to stop this stuff have to be right every time. And now we're doing the same things with the ability with the the help of the democratic party with this whole opening of the border up letting people just 
flush into our country. This is ster- this is serious national security stuff, folks. It's not playtime. There's been people here that I've had on my show that have been covering this closely and have uh, people who've gone on record in our government who have said sleeper cells are here in the United States. Just a matter of time. We're going to talk about this some more. Uh, we want to get uh, get into this because it's serious. Has been for a long time, still is, and will be for a lot longer time. All right, news is coming up here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Robert Steinbach is going to join us after the news here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back with you. Robert should be here any moment. I want to continue and finish this story for you uh, dealing with uh, sleeper cells. The Daily Telegraph reports warnings that Iran-backed terror cells could launch attacks in the U.K. if the crisis between London and Tehran deepens. Most of those folks that came in that are in those terror cells came in through the influx from the Middle East a few years back. Intelligence sources claim that Tehran has sleeper terror cells across Europe and could give the go-ahead for attacks in response to a conflict in the Gulf. One source said, and this is not surprising now what this guy or gal or whomever the source is is saying. They've been doing this for a long time, Iran has. They use proxies, and they have control of a network of individuals linked to what? Hezbollah. They started. Iran started Hezbollah. Why that is such a... um, I don't know, unknown fact. I mean, Hezbollah started back in the, in the early 80s, late, se- uh, late 70s. Iran has Hezbollah operatives in position to carry out a terrorist attack in the event of a conflict. That is the nature of the domestic threat Iran poses to the UK. In 2015, A cell was caught stockpiling tons, not pounds, tons of explosive materials on the outskirts of London. Look, we're being forewarned. You remember nobody says nobody ever thought that planes would be used in a terrorist attack, and yet it already had happened in France that they were talking about planes being used by, you know, uh, Middle Eastern terrorists. Start listening, people. Start paying attention to this. And, And when I say people, I'm not talking to you, the listener. I'm talking to the people who are supposedly politicians who set up the money and, and whatnot to protect our nation. This is a very, very crucial time for us here in this nation and, as you can hear from that story, in the United Kingdom. Will people take the necessary steps to stop the inevitable? I I don't know if it's possible to stop 
what I believe is going to be inevitable. I believe there will be a tax here on our soil. We're letting people come in on our borders. Look, for years now, I've talked about this. I've had the the sheriffs, a group down in Texas on talking about uh, these are the sheriffs that are right on the border and the counties that are right on the border. And they talk about prayer rugs, you know, and all kinds of things that have been fought, found out uh, on the desert coming near the Texas border. And I'm not saying that everybody carries a prayer rug as a terrorist, but I will say this, probably every terrorist has a prayer rug. You know, they, they find Korans, they find all kinds of stuff. They found uh, countless things. And they were worried about it. You know, look, I was talking about this over a decade ago. I was talking about this back in the Bush administration. I mean, I'm the guy that has been doing radio here for 19 years in Little Rock who actually went down and did his show on the border of Arizona and Mexico and gave you an up-close look at this influx that was coming across, and nobody was really doing much about it then, and they're, and they're, and they're trying to do some things now, and uh, anybody who tries to do anything about this is called xenophobic, racist and every kind of other uh, uh, you know thought word that they can come up with it's serious what's going on down on the border they've talked about you know they just made a, a report over the weekend that more drugs are coming into the united states than ever before because it's so porous down there now you have, uh, you know, coyotes. You've got cartel members show up on the border with a kid. Kid's not theirs. It's a kid they picked up on the way in. And uh, they don't have any place to put the kid. So they give them a piece of paper, say, show up at this location X amount of time in the future, and we'll get this all worked out. Well, the problem is they never show up. They never show up, and then they, you know, the, the this guy may end up turning these kids into prostitutes or whatever. Make money off of them that way, and then they go up and they're part of the uh, cartel, and they start a new distribution center someplace. Just telling you, we're our own worst enemies. Remember Pogo? You who are old enough, remember Pogo? You know, we've met the enemy and. He is us, but Pogo used to say, and it's a truth. It is the truth. All right, so wanted to bring that to you as well. Uh, Europe now talking about maybe having a mission of their own to protect things. British uh, Britain announced plans today to develop and deploy a, a Europe-led maritime protection mission to uh, safeguard shipping in the vital Strait of Hormuz in light of Iran's seizure of a British flag tanker in the waterway last week, briefing, uh, briefing uh, Parliament on the budding crisis. Foreign Secretary Jeremy Hunt accused Iran of, quote, an act of state piracy that must be met with a coordinated international reaction. Yeah, I want to see. 
I'll believe this when I see uh, Europe being uh, Britain, France, Germany, Sweden, uh, who else? Italy, Portugal, and several other countries all get together and go over and come up with some kind of military option that they're going to use to stop uh, these the, the Iranians. Look, they haven't stopped doing business with them. This, uh, you know, they're they're the ones that didn't want Trump to drop out of the uh, treaty that those numbskulls signed a few years back and all stood around and uh, puffed up their chest and said, look what we've done. We, we slowed them up from getting a nuclear weapon. Oh, yeah, uh-huh. Sure, sure. I got some swamp land in Florida I want to sell you. I'm just saying, look. It's a, the way they've been conducting business, and the United States goes into this, since, except for President Trump. He's, he's at least, you know, showing some backbone on some of this. I'm not saying that he's showing enough. But he's showing some. I think we're at the point with Iran, uh, just like we should be with a lot of these countries that are trying to, they think that they're the big, uh, you know, dog on the block, that somebody's going to have to put muzzle on them. And it's, it's not good. It's not good. We've been, we've been appeasing them constantly, constantly. Playing these games. We've been playing Neville Chamberlain. You cannot play Neville Chamberlain with these people. Just the way we learned out with the Soviet Union, you know what they understood? If they had a gun, they understood if you had a bigger gun. That's what kept the peace. Same thing with these folks. Just the same way. All right, we got to get a break in. Let's do that. Hopefully, uh, we'll have our. Law professor here, Robert Steinbach, when we come back, but he's on his way. He's texted me a couple of times. I'm, I'm coming, traffic coming. All right, so he'll be here shortly on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, so while we got a moment here before we get to the top of the hour, let's go back and listen to what Foreign Secretary Jeremy Hunt talked about this, uh, can, this, this effort that European countries were going to come up with. Uh, to take care of the Straits of Hormuz. I want to read this to you. And, Zach, let me see. You, know, you, didn't, you haven't served in the military or anything, right? You're just an everyday kind of you know, college Joe. Why don't you listen to this and see if this makes any sense to you at all, all right? Hunt announced precious few details of the proposed protection mission. It makes sense. Oh, there he is. He's here. Uh I'm talking about the Brits, man. and They're supposedly going to get rid of the rest of the European Union, and they're going to come up with some kind of plan to make the Iranians stop. What? Yeah, yeah. It, it sounds good. It sounds good. But wait till I read all this to you, all right? Hunt, who's a defense secretary, announced precious few details at a proposed protection mission, but said Britain's European allies 
will play a major role in keeping shipping lanes open because one-fifth of all global crude exports passes through the narrow strait between Iran and Oman. The foreign secretary said Iran must understand that its actions will only lead to a bigger Western military footprint in the region. We're going to put more ships there. Uh, Quote, it is with a heavy heart. I want you to listen to this guy. It is with a heavy heart that we are announcing this increased international presence in the Gulf because the focus of our diplomacy has been on de-escalating tensions in the hope that such changes would not be necessary. He also sought to put distance between Britain and its closest international ally, the United States. Washington has broken with London on Iranian policy as a result of President Trump's rejection of the international accord designed to prevent Iran from developing nukes. Trump pulled the U.S. out of the accord last year and reimposed harsh sanctions, which have had a severe effect on Iran's economy. The foreign secretary said the planned European mission was not part of the U.S. policy of exerting maximum pressure on Iran. Oh, no, nah, not that. We would never really try to cause them any problem. A little mild slap on the wrist. It was unclear which countries are going to join the protection force. How much you want to guess nobody else has stepped forward yet uh, or how quickly it can be put in place. Hunt said he had consulted with foreign ministers of Oman, the United United States. I thought they said they weren't messing with the United States. Uh, France, Germany, Italy, Finland, Spain, and Denmark. There are no British nationals among the Senate Imperials, 23 crew members, yada, yada, yada. So anyway, here's what the Brits are saying. They're wagging their finger. They're wagging their finger. You better stop it. You better stop it or, well, you better stop it. Okay, I'm just saying. That that's what I'm hearing. And if I'm hearing that, I can guarantee you that the Iranian government's hearing it in spades. Of course, that was the Obama foreign policy. You recall when Obama said to Putin, cut it out. Or what? It's like the mall cop who says, stop, or I'll yell, stop again. <laughs> That's not a foreign policy. No, it's not. It isn't. And, and to hear them say, you know, what the United States maximum pressure is not the way we're going to do it. Well, let me tell you what. You will not stop the number one provocateur of terrorism in the world unless you apply maximum pressure. Is the, is the alternative, hey, we'll do less to cause outcomes. Like the, the, Dave has a sign up behind the camera. It says life's a series of incentives and disincentives. So don't incentivize them to do the no. right thing, and they will do more of the right thing? Yeah. Is that a new kind of math? Of is that a new kind of economics? It's just like, look, we found this out with the Soviet Union when there was a Soviet Union. That's right. All right. And that was, if they pulled a gun out on you, you pulled a bigger gun. That's all they understood until we ran them into bankruptcy, which Star Wars did. Look, the, the Middle East and some, you could say Iran is sort of outside, technically the Middle East, I don't know if, whether that's right or not. But in, this, in essence, I consider it part of the, this greater Middle East area. And the Middle East 
in, in several respects, is far more basic. And I don't mean that as an insult, and I don't mean it as a compliment. I mean, they react to incentives. And, yeah. and, and as we were just talking about, everybody does. But it's very simple. They will get away with, Iran in particular, will get away with whatever they can get away with. They will do whatever they can do. So if you stop them, well, then they won't do it anymore. And if you don't stop them, they'll do every bit of it. And they will test every limit. They'll be like the guy who tries to always steal second base. They will always test those limits. So listen. Besides the guy who's trying to steal second base, how does that happen in baseball? You tell me. You come off of first base and you come off two or three steps first. Exactly. The guy throws back, you're in easy. No big deal. He gives you your best move, you're back in, you're safe. So what do you do? You come back, this time instead of three steps, you take four and a half. That's and right. You, and, you, and just what you don't do is you don't lean too far. All right? He throws again, you're at pff, no big deal. You keep doing it, keep going out as far as you can go until they pick you off. That's the way you steal a base. You know, in essence, that's what happened with uh, Iraq because Iraq was making all this noise that they still had weapons of mass destruction to posture to their neighbors. It turned out they essentially did not, but they were saying the opposite. And then they refused to let the inspectors in. And the United States eventually said, we're coming in. And they said, oh, no, now you can come in. And the United States said, well, too late, too late. And so it's Iran quite literally will get away. They have been lying. Of course they have. Since the earth was formed. Look, it it really fits into the definition of a rogue nation. Now, with that said, and I've been more hawkish uh, than, for example, the president. The president showed remarkable restraint uh, when we when the Iranians uh, downed the um, what do you call it? Drone. Drone. Thank you. And I've generally been uh, more hawkish, but wherever you fall on that line, and you know the left, ah, well, you know they, it's all these type, these these quasi academics who who never go to war and yada yada. Because you know I did not serve in the military. I'm like you, Dave. I did not serve in the military. I I actually considered. I met with a recruiter uh, when I was in high school, but I told him I, I knew I wanted to go to graduate school, and he said, "Well, we can't guarantee that." And he looked at me, and I think. I think it was actually rather insightful. He said, you know, maybe you should pursue your academic career. I mean, and not in a bad way, but in a way like, you know, I, I kind of see you doing something else. And I thought that was very, very nice of him because this yeah. guy probably gets uh, rewarded based on the number of people he brings in, you know. And it was uh, really a quality comment. Doesn't hurt. <laughs> exactly. Doesn't hurt. At minimum, it doesn't hurt. That's right. I thought That's it was a real, right. real quality comment. You got a quarter. The- you got a quota. Yeah, and he wasn't saying it in a mean way or bad way, or and he wasn't refusing me. He was just saying, you know, look, if that's really what you want to do, then that's the avenue you should pursue. Uh, in any event, so uh, yeah, I'm to some extent I'm sitting in an armchair, but I'm doing it from an educated perspective. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. You know, those those occurrences in the in the five, you no, know, probably going on ten years that I've known you, Dave. I, I mean, that, maybe once or twice, right? No, just uh, not <laughs> even that much. Not even that much. Well, maybe a little more. But in reality, <laughs> in reality, my point is that if you 
if you're credible in as a president, as an administration, as a government, that if an opponent does something harmful to you, that you're willing to use force, you actually need to use force less. That's right. And that was a problem with people like Obama. Nobody believed he would do anything because he was a paper tiger. It's like a, ch- a, a parent. Yeah, that's that right. That tells their child they're always going to spank them, but they never spank them. Okay, or I'm going to give you a timeout, whatever. Maybe you're one of those, quote, nonviolent uh, people, and you think us violent people, you know, should right. have our kids taken from us. But the bottom right. line is this. If you don't follow up what you say you're going to do by doing what you said you're going to do, the other person's not going to believe you're ever going to do it. That's what the kid who's cried wolf is all about. Exactly. That's exactly right. You know, it's what it's all. we're going to talk about yep. it some more. For you on Facebook, we're going to talk about it. And by the way, 823-0965, you can be part of this show by just calling and talking about it. What do you think? You think the, you think the European nations are serious let's let me remind you in 2015 there was a terrorist cell that they broke up hezbollah operatives caught stockpiling tons not pounds tons of explosive materials on the outskirts of london more come your way in a moment All right, back, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Drive time started. Some of you are heading home. You're driving home. You lucky dogs, you. Good for you. You made it through your Monday. We're happy for you. Well, not really, but that's all right because we're still stuck at work. But the bottom line is I'm glad you made it through your day safely. Make yourself safely home, okay? Do that because I want you back next week. Uh, Phone lines open, 823-0965. That guy you're seeing sit across from me, you know who that is. That's Robert Steinbach. Now, I say that because you who are listening on radio said, what is he talking about? I'm talking about my Facebook page. We're watching. You're watching the show or you're watching it on the Facebook of 1011FMTheAnswer.com. You can watch it there as well. And, uh, you know, keep an eye on us. Make sure that we're just not, uh, you know, recorded voices or we're AI of some kind that's not the way we are okay just so you know we're real life humans and i've already checked up i am not a robot so that you'll know that with you robert who is a law professor over at the bowen school of law ualr here's the key his opinions are his and his alone and not necessarily those of uh, ualr or the bowen school of law with that said i now have cya him and he's in good shape well, I'm, I appreciate I'm in a good mood today. You I are. think you could tell well, I, I'm in a good show mood. Before I came in, and you've been on fire. Yeah, I've been on been, fire. Been watching some of this stuff just drives me crazy. You know what's bad? I'm. Everybody knows that I'm not a young kid, okay? I've been around a while. You're like 29, right? Yeah. 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 And holding. <laughs> yeah. I'm exactly. kind of like George Burns was. Right. Yeah, you know, when he was 97, he was still 29. But the bottom line is, is that I'm just hanging, I hang in there and I've seen a lot. Yeah, I mean, I was alive when Johnson was president, okay? And when you're talking about, and Kennedy. So when you're talking about that stuff, I was around during that time and old enough to still remember what was going down. And you know what's, really bothersome about watching uh, now is in watching Johnson and watching Carter 
and then watching Obama is I see the same stupidity from the Democrats all the time. It's the same thing over and over and over and over and over. All right, let's go to Andy. He's up in Hot Springs, wants to join us first here. Hey, Andy, how are you? Hey, I'm very well. Thank you for taking my call, Sure, and I'll get right to it. I have a question for you. Do you think that the security of our border and our safety is a priority for the establishment Republicans? No. Very well. Simple I agree enough. with you 100 percent. I think if it were, we would have had resolution within the first two years of the administration. That's exactly right. Trump. That's true. And we're getting rid of some of those people. I mean, we got rid of uh, what's his name, that the, the dummy down there in uh, in Arizona. What was his name? Can't remember his name. I mean, this is a guy who lives in a state Flake. that what? Senator yeah, Flake. Flake. Yeah, Flake, who's being. You know, his state was being impacted by that stuff. I know. I was down on the border of Arizona and Mexico. I know the imp- impact that they were feeling. And he didn't care. He didn't care. It's that simple. We saw it happen. You know, there's others so that are the same way. So don't you think, this being the case, we know what cards we've been dealt. Isn't it important that we elect good people on a state level? Yes, that will take measures to make sure that our Kansans are safer. We we have had some that have done that. I mean, this new uh, act that's been made law as of January 1st, which re- which will not allow these people to be sanctuary cities and things of that nature. I don't care if, if Mayor Scott in Little Rock wants to say, well, we're not a sanctuary city, we're a welcoming city. You're a sanctuary city. You're moving that way, and you know it. And let's add to that. The caller is exactly right. There are Republicans, not conservatives, but there are Republicans who have failed to chin the bar That's when right. it comes to our safety. And and you know who I'm thinking of. Who yep. am I thinking? Yeah, we're going to we'll go about, up no, and talk about Cooper. Yeah, Cooper voted no. Voted no. A Republican on Stand Your Ground. Yeah. So, caller, you know, if you are caught in a melee with a bad guy, you, and your life is threatened because that is the threshold legal issue, and you can run away. You must run away. I'm yeah. not saying if you choose to run away, something's wrong, but you must. You must choose to run away rather than defend yourself from an illegal attack on you and your life. That's right. How is that? How is that the law? Yeah, it goes across the board. It's just not in the essence of immigration that we have this problem. It's also in gun rights and everything else, Andy. And well, I appreciate your call. You know, Go ahead. Well, you know what, Your Honor? I had no other choice but to use deadly force. There was nothing else I could do. All I was trying to do was stop the threat. That's it. Mm-hmm. And that's a great answer. Unfortunately, it's the, the it's up to them to determine right, it. Is, is not subjective. It's not whether you believe it or not. It's whether they, looking back... From the comfort of their cushy seats determines that you actually had the opportunity yeah, to do something. That's the problem with it. We'll talk to, uh, be listening tomorrow. I'll bring this up with Jan Morgan and she can talk about it. All right. Thanks. All right. Talk to you. 8230965. That's the number. Call in. Be part of the Dave Ellswick show. Do I believe that there's Republicans who are not worried about a border? Oh, yes. 
And I agree with what the, the caller said. If it hadn't have been that way, we would have passed legislation that was necessary on the border. We couldn't get it done because there were enough Murkowskis and others and Collins and others that were sitting there that wouldn't get behind and support it. All right, 823-501 if you're outside our area code. 501-823-0965. Here's my question. Do you believe that the way the United States deals with Iran, maximum pressure is the way to go to get them to toe the line, or do you believe that uh, the Europeans have it right? You know, shake their finger at them and say, "We're going to put, we're going to put more warships." You know, in the Vladimir, in, in the cut area. it out, yeah. said Obama. Cut it yeah. out. Oh, oh, I'm hey, red line in the sand. <laughs> Red line and don't you dare step over it. Or I'll draw another red line. Yeah, or I'll draw another red line. That's exactly how it worked. Exactly how it worked. All right, let's get a break in. First one, when we come back, I'm going to play some of the uh, sound that I played in the first hour because I want to see Robert. I want to. I like to see him change colors. You want to see my face melt? He changes. He changes colors. He really. He really does. All right. It's the Dave Ellswick show here. On, uh, of course, uh, 1011 FM, The Answer. All right, back. Tomorrow, do not forget, all aboard! That's where we're going to be at in Benton. All aboard restaurant. Trains, baby! Have you ever been to one of those, Robert? I don't think so. Oh, but they, a, they got one here in Little Rock. It's up in, on Chanel. I'll have to check and, it out. And I they love have trains. one down. Okay, they got... You it's know, on Cantrell. Yeah, on the Cantrell one, yeah. is in here in Little Rock. Where about? And then, it's just up here, uh, Steinmark. Oh, Steinmark, yeah. okay. Go in there, you'll find them. What's cool is that it's not the little trains. This is the ones that I call them garden trains. It's the one that people used to build out in their gardens outside, and they'd run them around and stuff. Sure, sure. So they got that, and it runs around the top by the ceiling, and it comes by and drops off your food and everything. Oh, it actually delivers the food? Yeah. It doesn't, oh, that's it, funny. it doesn't parachute it. They got right. this thing that the... The food comes down like a uh, like an elevator, elevator thing. Yeah, oh, that's hilarious! It's a lot of fun. It's a great place. If you got kids, it's definitely a place to go. But we're going to the one that's down in Benton, which is over there by a couple other restaurants. Was it uh, Robin's? Down by Red Robin. Red Robin and uh, Freddy's. Freddy's. Yeah, it's kind of right in back of them. I want you to come and visit us tomorrow. We'll be there from two to six, I believe. Steve Marston and uh, Bethany are going to be there in the morning, aren't they? In the afternoon, I think they're going to go out there and do just before your show starts. Okay, so sometime, I don't know, maybe noon. I don't know when they're going to be there. Yeah, something like that. Noon to two, I think. But here's what's cool about my show that's going to be out there. The whole power panel is coming. They've all told me they're going to be there. That's really great. Jan Morgan will be there. Paul Calvert will be there. Ardea will be there. Then both the Bible guys are going to be there. And uh, Scott Stewart's going to be there from Agape, and Steve Hess from Agape. They're going to be there as well. And uh, I've already got a bunch of questions for them. So it's going to be fun. You can come up and say hi to them. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to it tomorrow. It's going to be fun. It sounds it's like a lot of fun. always good. We're we'll really going to have the owner on, have him stop by and talk to us a little bit during the 4 o'clock hour for sure and uh, tell you about how great they are. they got good food, really 
really good food. Kind of American fare. Yeah, but yeah. it's uh, it's it's healthy, it's healthy food. Oh, healthy. Yeah, huh? it is. It's healthy food. Yeah. Nice. Got a veggie burger that's really tasty. Yeah. Oh wow. They had a, yeah. Oh wow. Uh, the shrimp they brought to me that day was really good too. So we're gonna. I may go have that shrimp again uh, tomorrow. I love me some shrimp. Love that stuff. All right, let's get back to what we were talking about. So tomorrow we'll be down in Benton. So come visit with us, all right? You who are calling in from Hot Springs, come on up. Say hi. Yes, I know. You got to drive through all the all the road work and stuff, but that's okay. You can come up, have dinner. You know, have dinner with us. I'm not buying, but you can come up and have, have dinner at uh, All Aboard. Russ was giving me the evil eye when I did my my all aboard for you earlier because i was being too loud but that's just the way i am all right i'm just that way all right i remember when con- when conductors used to do that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. at the uh the railroad i remember when there were cabooses and if you're younger than 35 you don't know what i'm talking about all right uh, a caboose on the end of the on the train. I've I've always been a fan of a good caboose. Yeah, me too. I like good cabooses. That's just I, <laughs> Russ is nodding his head. Yeah. Russ, you got it. Yeah. No, I'm not nodding my head. No, he's shaking, yeah, he's shaking, head. shaking, shaking his shaking. head at you. Russ got it. S M H. Russ got it. So let's yeah again. I, I want to hear from people about Iran and how. The European Union now basically are saying, well, we're going to put together our own security force. Yeah, they can't even pay for NATO, all right? I'm just I'm just saying. Listen, more power to them. Get it done. Yeah, Get well, it done. be nice. I don't believe it's going to happen. No, it's not going to happen. They're going to wag their fingers at them. And, you know, it won't happen unless they, they sink one of their oil tankers. And that is even... Pushing it, I think. You, they won't even see that as an act of war, I doubt. Just saying. They didn't mean that tornado, to, uh, the torpedo to hit it. It, it. it took a wrong turn. Just saying. What can I say? No. Well, you heard the tape of them taking that ship, Oh, right? yeah. Here, let me read. I, I got that. I got, I got that on. I can read this to you. I got to read this to you. Where is it? Here we go. This is from the tape, and uh, the Iranians are telling them to make their turn and head towards the port there. Um, and where was this pledge? I'm just looking. I'm trying to find this. Okay. Mm-hmm. In the recording, an Iranian officer can be heard telling uh, the bridge on this UK flagged ship. If you obey, you will be safe. So alter your course to 360 degrees immediately over. The Royal Navy, <laughs> the Royal Navy, yeah. not the tanker, the right. Royal Navy asked the Iranians to, quote, please come not intending to violate international law by unlawfully attempting to board this ship. And then they did, right? Yeah, they did. <laughs> they got they got guys coming off of helicopters and sliding down the, the ropes. And the Navy didn't do anything. And they didn't do squat. That's, of course, historically. That's shaking your finger yeah. and saying, I'm going to spank you. The British Navy has been known to be an outstanding. They, they were 
they controlled the world at one point. I was talking about yeah. that. It's pretty sad to think yeah. about that. And then you now. know they controlled they can they controlled the the seas, and now yeah. they control nothing. Uh, literally, the last big shot was the Falcon, uh, the the Falcon, the Falcon War. War. Yeah. That was it. That the Navy did something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now they beat the Falcons, but can they beat the Iranians? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You don't know if that can happen. Well, Theresa May, I'm just telling you. Sweetheart, you're getting out at the right time. <laughs> well, I, I, I truly don't understand how any country that has the ability to do something about it would allow Iran to take one of their flagships without some reaction. Well, they go on in this story, right. though. Well, what have they done? How many days has it been? What have they done? I take it. Wait, was that Friday of last huh? week? Thursday? Huh? So, you know, we're Thursday, we're, Friday, we're Saturday, five, Sunday, days, Monday, whatever. And, and they've done nothing. Mm-hmm. How do you let that happen? Well, they're talking about, I mean, the, they're de- talking. the defense they're, they're secretary, talking. blah, 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 the blah, defense blah. secretary said this. Yeah. The Royal Navy is too small to deal with this now. They've oh, let, really? They've let, yeah. Oh, really? He the, said that. The defense oh, minister said this. Is that's Tobias Elwood. Quoting him, mm-hmm. the threats we're facing are changing in front of us. The world is getting more complex. If we are wanting to continue to play this influential role on the international sa- stage, it will require further funding for our armed forces, not least the Royal Navy. Our Royal Navy, his quote, not mine, mm-hmm. our Royal Navy is too small wow. to manage our interests. Wow. All right. Patrick is in Jacksonville. Is that right? All right. Let's talk to him. Patrick, how are you? I'm doing fine, Dave. How are you doing today? I, I'm doing fantastic. What's up? Uh, he's just sitting there watching your Facebook Live and trying to get some computer work done. And You mentioned uh, earlier uh, us being in Iraq and during the UN no-fly zone times, if you will. Yeah, I see you waving at me. <laughs> yeah, all right. Uh, the the one thing, the one mistake that I want to point out that I've never heard anybody say when when Iraq was under UN supervision and we kept the UN inspectors kept saying we want to look inside this bunker. The U the the UN was told no 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 we don't want you looking that in that bunker. What we should have done every time we said we want to look in that bunker. Now, is we should have had a B-52 with a <laughs> bunker buster uh, aboard or maybe even a Moab, uh, we should have said, look, we want to look behind door number three, and if you don't let us look behind door number three, we're going to drop a bomb on it, and we're not going to be too concerned about what's in there because it's just going to disappear. Yeah, well, Patrick, uh, I think you will agree with me. Here's the problem. we got too many namby-pamby Cry babies, because if you're going to make that type of statement, you got to be willing to carry it out, and you'll have to carry it out at least once. I would predict. I, I think that's all it would have taken was once. Yeah, usually that's, that's about all it takes. I agree with you. I, I think somebody said something about when somebody has something to hide. Who was it that says said that? What, what was they? What were they saying? <laughs> if you have something to hide, you're probably going to hide it. And if uh, if I have yep. to look in the, in there, you you probably have something in there you don't want me to see. We well, should have just dropped a bomb on it. But anyhow, 
Uh, I just wanted to make that point. And as we're talking about Iraq, uh, we, we but we're talking about Iran. No, we mentioned right. Iraq. Yeah, but yeah, I've mentioned, mentioned Iraq. Iraq earlier. They all yeah. think yeah. the yeah. same way. The dictators all think right. the same way. Yeah, we we should all we should we should treat those countries all the same way. You know, we're we we've got these uh, this agreement, uh, you know, this nuclear agreement with with Iran, and if they don't want us to see certain things. And we ought to pretty much just tell them the same thing. Of course, Iran is not under a U.N. uh, You're you're exactly right. Got to run. I got the news. Coming up next here on the Dave Ellswick Show, your calls, 823-0965. Back with you, Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget about Allstate Insurance. Allstate Insurance at the Dwayne Smith Insurance Agency. They want you to call them, 501-819-0373. Let me go through that one more time. It's 501-819-0373. And call and set up a time to uh, be with them and uh, look at what is going on with, uh, well, the wonderful world of of insurance. You bring in your your insurance uh, as far as uh, car, home, motorcycle, life, you bring them all with you. And they sit down and they compare what you have with what they can offer and uh, they'll save you some money, more than likely. I'd say 93% chance they're going to save you money and probably get you even more coverage for the money that you spend. Again, but you got to take the first step. First step is you call them. 501-819-0373. And uh, you're going to set up a time to visit with them. 3920 East Keel. That's where they're located at. 3920 East Keel in Sherwood. You'll visit with them with all that paperwork. And uh, you'll come out ahead. I do believe that. So uh, give them a call. 501-819-0373. Dwayne Smith Insurance Agency. All right. Got about uh, 20 minutes here for this half hour. Robert Steinbach sitting across from me. Okay. So here we go. This is how red can we make Robert Steinbach's face? Irritating with the uh, craziness of the left. So let's start off with Representative Tlaib. That's it's a, it's a pretty good chance that I'm going to get under under his skin right off the bat here, and if I, if I got to keep pushing, I've even got AOC a little later to go with this. But with Talib, she's talking about. Well, let's let her just tell you. So recently, I introduced the Boost Act. This legislation completely repeals the GOP tax scam that is wholly helping wealthy individuals, the rich, the corporations. And do you know what I did with that money? Do you know what I said? Mm-mm. We're going to go ahead and put it into the uh, pockets of folks like everyday Americans. If you make less than $100,000, you're going to get up to $6,000 in your pocket. And if you make less than $50,000, you're going to get $3,000. That's what we do with our public dollars. We give it back to the people, the people that earned it. Okay, you can cut it off right there. So, that, that, that she didn't, the rest of it's 
just she, she, she lost me at the end. We give it back to the people that earned it. She just said she's going to take the money that was going back to the people that earned it, and we're going to give it to somebody else. She th- she's doing Robin Hood. However, mm-hmm. and I tried to rep- I I did this in the first hour. You have to understand that the story of Robin Hood is not about a guy who went out and found people who had money and took it from them and gave it to the poor. It's about during the kingdom, you had a king, and he was taking the money from the people by overtaxing them, and Robin Hood took the money that was overtaxed from the despot and gave it back to the people. Here's my question. And actually, by the way, Dave, in all seriousness, that uh, quote, I disagree with it, but that quote doesn't make me red in the face because that's the routine democratic position. Okay. Right? Meaning, I, 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 I take your point, I, and it's important for us to discuss this, but the Democrats have been about redistribution of wealth as a direct economic policy for years now. Meaning, you make too much money, and the other guy deserves some of your money. That's, I'm not exaggerating. That's not hyperbole. That's the democratic position now for years. If you make over a certain amount, you are obligated to take that money out and hand it over to somebody who makes less. Although I'm a little confused about Talib's proposition that if you make less than uh, up to a hundred grand, you get six grand, and if you only make up to fifty grand, you (laughs) You get three three. grand. Well, if you really want to give it to the poor, why is that not in the reverse? You should be giving more money to the poor people. Yeah. What? Why? And three grand? Why are you such a cheapskate? Give more. Well, I I thought it was interesting in that she 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 said, play that very beginning again for us. So recently, I introduced the Boost Act. This legislation completely repeals the GOP tax scam that is only helping wealthy individuals, the now rich, to what she the corporations. Says. And do you know what I did with that money? Okay, stop it right now. Do you know what I did with that money? Nothing. Because it's an act. It's not a law. It's a bill, not a, not a law. Right, exactly. <laughs> you haven't done haven't, nothing haven't done with that money. With it, right. It doesn't exist. Yeah, but when you live in an entirely Alice in Wonderland world all your life, you can make statements yeah. like that and believe it's true. Crazy. That's Just a saying. word. It's crazy That's stuff. a word. I it's pretty easy to show this. Okay, now, I had talked earlier today about a story about the Electoral College. Mm-hmm. And uh, NBC News did a story. I sent it to, to Robert. It's a great read. Uh, I'll send it to uh, Elizabeth, and we'll post it on Facebook so you can get it there, too. But you've got to read it, because if you read it, you understand this is the thought process of the Democrats, of how how we got to win this, because... It's not just about getting those big blue states. It's about actually getting the people of the United States, plural, in all these different states to agree with us so that we can win using the Electoral College. But we don't want to do it that way. We want to just be able to control a few states and get the popular vote, so to speak. Okay. Mm-hmm. Listen, I got Joe Scar- Scarborough here. I've already asked Zach to save this. And, and Russ, let me just give it to you too. Let's put it in a some place where we can have it for next year after the election. 
because I know I'm going to get to play this and say, hmm, didn't you say this about Hillary too, uh, Joe? Huh? Didn't you say this about Hillary? Here's what he's he's saying now about the 2020 election. Donald Trump, speaking of U.S. soldiers in Iraq, said, yeah, well, we kill a lot of people too. Comparing our soldiers unfavorably to Vladimir Putin. So please, Stephen Miller, please, Donald Donald, and no better. you're making a fool of yourself again. This ends very badly for you. Speaking of which, Elise, does. Um, all of this is deeply offensive, but I'm already tired at all the op-eds I'm going to have to read. After Donald Trump loses in a landslide, people saying, well, of course, this was due to happen because his bigotry only appealed to one third of the electorate. That will happen. Just like we said, Donald Trump could win. I'm telling you, that will happen. This is, what, this is what gets me. This is such a losing proposition. This is the politics of subtraction. There is this no is way this. this leads to victory. This gets women, suburban voters, uh, educated voters, uh, of course, people of color. It gets them fired up in a way that they'll... they'll go out to vote, whereas this depresses a lot of support for Donald Trump. I, I, that's what I don't understand, at least, why he's being a bigot and a racist, thinking that that's going to help him get elected. It's not. It's going to ensure that he is routed next year. All right. He's calling for a rout of Donald Trump. I am saving that piece and the day after the election, I'm going to call MSNBC and want to talk to Scarborough. Oh, I'm sure he'll take you and call. get it and get I'm him sure on the air to explain why they lost. Okay, because do you remember a few years back when Trump won and Hillary lost? He won. Yeah. Wait, what? Yeah, we Wait, didn't know what? that. And and. He had he looked like a deer in the headlights of an oncoming train. All, the, all of those folks on the left did every single one. It was of them. hilarious, Dave. The simple truth is that if you tune into Morning Joe, and I I used to watch it, and I just and I don't mind. I knew it was a leftist yeah, I got, show. I got my afternoon Joe. Exactly, and that's unbelievable because Scarborough was a Republican. He was. I know. I know. But that's a long a time congressional ago. Republican. Yeah, yeah. That's a long time ago. Yeah, I agree. And. And, He's in it for the money now. Well, and he, he married Mika, and uh, she has a significant influence over his thinking, and they're on MSNBC. And Brzezinski? Stuff. Yeah. She's got a communist name. Just kidding. Her, 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 I'm just uh, kidding, okay? You know, her father was the, um, uh, what's his name? Um, I forget his first name. Obviously, his last name was Brzezinski. Yeah, Zig Yeah, right. Yeah. And he was the sec- national security advisor for Carter. Um, and Enough so, said. Right. That's his, uh, that was my point. It's, it's not quite communist, but it's so far left that you might not be able to distinguish yeah. it on first blush. Might be tough. Um, he, by the way, Zignu. Z- Z- Zignu. Yeah. yeah. Uh, by the way, he was no friend of Israel. Can I mention yeah. that? In yeah. all seriousness, right he was no friend of, of Israel. Okay. In any event. If you tune in to Morning Joe, every week there is a new reason just like if you tuned in, as you say, before 2016, there was a new reason that Joe discovered why Trump is not, was not going to win and is not going to win. Now, sitting here today in the studio, I cannot guarantee you 
that Trump will win. I think it's too early to tell. I think it's Trump's to lose, meaning I think the wind is behind him. I think so many things are going in favor of Trump that if I had to place a bet now, I would bet in favor of Trump. Now, that's independent of my personal desires. And apparently in politics, which I've never understood, you're supposed to kind of present the fact that you're going to win, whether or not you're going to to win. So people like Swalwell from California who dropped out of the Democratic race, we're sure he's going to win with a zero percent. Beto will be next. Right, exactly. Or Beto or Beto, whatever he right. calls himself. Actually, I had somebody else's next. Um, it might be de Blasio. I might have had de Blasio. i got to look. And that's a close race. Oh, yeah, that's a close <laughs> race of who's the bigger loser. Uh, so in any event, Actually, Beto won't. I, I doubt Beto will be next uh, because uh, he still has got enough residual name identity, even though people ha- are starting in much greater numbers to realize how empty of a suit he really is. In any event, so every week they have a new reason why Trump is going to lose. And again, it's it's like all of these things that the left are doing. They constantly cry wolf such that, hey, maybe there one day is a wolf, but I'm not going to believe him. I got I got you on that. I, I agree with you on that. When we come back, I've got Cheney Liz. answering you, Liz, yeah. answering why Scarborough's full. Mm-hmm. You know what? Mm-hmm. She's answering it to some other people because they're bringing up the same things that, sure. that Scarborough sure. is. We'll do that when we come back. Right now, let me remind you of PI Roofing Home Solutions. Need your roof fixed? I was looking at mine yesterday. I was sitting on the deck in the backyard. I was looking up at the roof. Looks pretty doggone good from my view from down where I'm sitting at. But whether it's good when you walk on it's a different story. So I'm going to have them come out and take a look at uh, my roof and make sure it's still 100%. I mean, they put it on, I think, 12 years ago, 11 years ago, something like that. So I'm, I'm going to have them come out and take a look at it and make sure it's good. Uh, Also, don't forget now, highest quality gutter cleaning you can get, as well as, you know, you get a leak in your house because you got a leak in your roof, gone through the shingles, went through the felt, went through the wood, went through the insulation, went through the drywall. They'll fix it for you now. At PI Roofing, home repair now, home repair expertise. To find out more, just go to piroofing.com. All right, so Liz Cheney. Did a great job today, all right? The people that you'll hear talking before her are all saying the exact same thing Scarborough said about how Trump was a racist and what he said about the four ladies and the the Congress ladies and all of that was all racist and it's going to cost him in the election. Listen to what Cheney says back to them. The president this morning tweeted that they don't love their country. Uh, You've made that point. The rest of the world is also watching this, though. That's right. Um, Canada's prime minister said the comments made were hurtful, wrong, completely unacceptable. Germany's chancellor said these sentiments are in opposition to her impressions about the U.S., and she expressed solidarity, in her words, with the attacked women. The prime minister of the U.K. issued a statement condemning this of New Zealand. These aren't members of the media. These are world leaders. Should Americans find the comments from the president acceptable? Margaret, 
listen, I know you want to continue to talk about this as though it had to do with race. I know you want to continue to talk about it you as though it had... all those world leaders Margaret, I just let you... I just let you... Look, I don't think the American people are going to look to foreign leaders to tell us who should lead the nation. They're not going to look to foreign leaders to tell us whether or not we should be a socialist country. Thank goodness we won't do that. We depend upon those people who are elected. And I think that when you see the, the Democratic members of Congress uh, standing up and saying that they want to, you know, that, that we have concentration mm -hmm. camps on our borders, that they want to provide free health care for illegal immigrants, that they want to end sure. private health insurance, that they want to impose socialism on this country, they need to defend those policy positions. And we are going to take every opportunity to make sure the American people who are the ones that are going to make this choice uh, come mm -hmm. November 2020, recognize the fundamental choice that we're all facing. Slam dunk. <laughs> that was great. Good job. Dave, you know, I sent you an article. We talked about this off air, of course, but, but I sent you an article uh, earlier today from the New York Times in which a columnist writes, and this relates to this uh, clip you played, mind you. The columnist writes that if you deny an accusation of racism, that's racism. Of course, that proves you're a racist. Right, so it's a perfect... At least that's what the left says. Exactly. It's the perfect circle of of ridiculousness and hypocrisy, which is, if you're a racist, because we call you a racist, then you're a racist. Mm -hmm. And if you deny that you're a racist after we call you a racist, you're an even bigger racist. I, so, I so the choice don't they call that a catch twenty two? Right, exactly. You know, it's like yeah, heads I win, tails you lose. Right, you know, yeah. heads you're a racist, tails you're a bigger racist. And don't, by any means, don't say I've got black friends because oh, that just proves beyond a shadow of doubt exactly. that you're a racist. That you would use your black friends. Robert, have you stopped beating your children yet? Right. That's it. The, any uh, yes. Other, I, I never did. When did when when did you stop? You yeah. know, the, the, when the, did you start beating your child? I don't beat my child. When did you stop? Exactly. That's the old Marxism that's out there. The 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 if you present evidence is your point correctly that you're not a racist according to the you're left. You're racist. That, that, that you're more of a racist. Yeah, you're even. Yeah. I read another article in the New York Times. I think this weekend, and it talked about this. This rampant white grievance culture. So I, so I start to read on. I'm like, wait, now, now wait a second. Is there something there? What, what is the white grievance culture? Yeah, what culture? is a white grievance what is white culture? Grievance? So you'll love this, Dave. I read into the article, and it's people who are objecting to the racialized policies of the left. They're objecting to race-based hiring, race-based admissions, Special programs that look at your race instead of your merit to determine whether or not you qualify. Ideas that suggest that interlocutors, speakers, must be determined based on their gender and or race. And so if you object to any of those and happen to be white, well, that's just white grievance culture. It's projection from the left. I mean, oh, yeah. They do a lot of that. It's really remarkable. If you, do, It's the same thing as what I just said, you about, said to you about the, today's column from the New York Times, which is if you object to the racist policies of the left, race-based policies that look at the color of your skin, your plumbing, 
etc., to determine whether you're, quote, qualified, end quote, rather than merit, if you object to that and happen to be white, well, that's just white grievance. No, that's, that's called meritocracy. That's called equality. That's called elimination of discrimination. Well, if you're seeking to eliminate discrimination and you're white, you're really looking to uphold your white privilege, you see, Dave, says the left, of yes, course. Yes, of course right? they do. Right, white privilege. Because Dave and I, by the way, you, you, you may not be able to tell if you're not on the Facebook. Oh, we're, we're loaded with the privilege. We, can't, we were born with silver spoons in yeah, our mouths. Yeah, I was. I was. I you was know, born the, on the right side of the tracks. The yuck, spoon that yuck, I was yuck. born with in my mouth was, was made out of tin, let me tell you. Yeah. We had no money when I was a kid. No All money. Right. Let's take a break. we got to get the break. Then we'll play AOC when we come back. If you're heading home, you're gonna, you stick around. AOC coming up on the Dave, Dave, Dave Ellswick Show. I'm watching uh, on the flat screen the boarding of that UK oil tanker and they're showing all the pictures of the um, guys that are now under Iranian control as though I mean you can you can look at it and see the fear in their eyes you know there's no doubt about it at all just scared poopless I, I don't blame them don't blame them at all and it's all it looks it's a perfect propaganda kind of pictures because you got like the guy and he's standing there and he's got the chart and he's looking up at a gauge <laughs> and stuff like that. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. All right. I know, Robert, you've been waiting. You've been wanting me to play this audio from AOC. So let me let me let me drop that for you. All Let's right. Do it. Here is uh, Ocasio-Cortez and her latest claim against the president. He is stoking white supremacy, and he is allowing, frankly, neo-Nazi groups to go off unchecked because that is a key part of rousing his base. But we cannot allow and give in to that. There you go. He's allowing. Allowing neo-Nazi groups to uh, run around and operate freely in our country. Dave, we can tie together what we discussed just before the break with something you even said earlier uh, during the show today. And that is the more the left goes over the cliff with their crying wolf. Yep. Right. Everything that they don't like is racism. No, oh, yeah. Everything. Right. Remember, I didn't like Trump's comment about go home and he backpedaled those comments and so meaning that his current view is consistent with mine but the fact that he made those comments doesn't make him a racist and it doesn't even make those comments racist the left says but he made those comments to people of color by the way Let's put aside how bad that English is, right? People of color, they, they, they have to contort the phrase because any other articulation is improper. And it, it's not accepted, right? This is how the left keeps reconstructing and deconstructing language. And if you don't catch up with them, you're in trouble. Put that aside for a moment. So because Trump made a comment that I don't like, 
against people of color. It's racist. It's racist. Uh, no. No, wait. No. And if you no, wait, <laughs> because you're saying no, it's not racist. Right? You're a racist. Even more so. That's exactly Even right. Even more so. That's exactly right. Dave, you know on your show, and I've mentioned this many times, when we hear comments uh, from some of these lefties uh, like Oman and... Uh, uh, the one that we just heard today, I forget her name already. Uh, yeah. Talib. Thank you. Because she's, she's as important as my memory uh, of her name is. Uh, that the, These comments that they make and people say, well, that's anti-Semitic. And I said, well, now, wait, slow down. It could be. And we've now seen enough of um, Elon Omar's comments that at least some of them are anti-Semitic. Oh, yeah. Uh, outwardly anti-Semitic, by the way. But some of them were not. And my point is that not every comment that even someone who now, I think, has crossed the threshold to being an anti-Semite, not every comment that she makes is anti-Semitic, and we need to judge each comment as they are. But the left embodies the exact opposite attitude, and that is, if we don't like what you're saying, then we're, the first words out of our mouth uh, are going to be racist. Uh, even if, by the way, you're not making the comment somehow directly relating to people of color. But if you are, says the left, goody for us, because then we can double down on the racist claim. And as we were discussing, keep doing it. And guess what? It all kind of washes out in the wind. It all becomes noise because it is the the... Example of crying wolf over and over. Every comment, according to the left. Did you watch when when Trump made these comments? If you watch CNN and MSNBC, the Trump's racist comments were. Wait, what? It's not a discussion. It's not about what. No, they've concluded and declared. That's what the left always does. Yeah, they conclude and declare. How's that news reporting? That's an assessment. And they and they do it all in one breath, and then they move on. You heard Chuck Todd say months ago, not regarding racism, regarding climate science. Well, we're not going to have any more discussions about that because it's established. Boom, done. So thank we're you. We're not going to have anybody right. on right. that denies climate change, right? Because because we because we know the answer. Yeah. That's a news organization, but yeah, that's a news organization. Mm-hmm. That's and it's a, well, you know, it's as settled as is gravity. Uh, no, it's not. No, and, not even and by close. the way, I'm not involved in in the climate science debate. And I've said to you before on your show, I said I don't know, and you and you've said to me, well, I know, okay, but I don't know. But what I what I also know is that the level of how the left talks about it. Oh, no, no dispute. And yet they, what, what is really insidious is they constantly tweak their models. So, oh, well, we just made a little change. Wait, you made a little change, but I thought it was settled. I thought it was settled. Well, it's like right. Tlaib. I didn't pull this, this statement from her uh, speech at the NAACP over the weekend because she was there and all the rest of those ladies were there. The they're, squad. They're, they're, they're enjoying their... Your 15 minutes of fame uh talib talked about global warming mm-hmm. said no coincidence we're having a heat wave because it's global warming mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah i mean and and even the scientists 
that believe in global warming would tell her to shut her pie hole because it doesn't prove anything except that it gets hot sometimes. Well, that's the other part. You, you see people like um, Bill Maher, who I watch. He says some things. He has the right attitude in some things. And by the way, I don't mind watching people with whom I disagree. I just can't watch blather. Uh, I can't watch idiocracy. And there's so much of that on television right now. And so he'll say, well, we know that because he's completely bought into the climate science oh, yeah. um, on, uh, on the left. Well, we know 99. Here's my question, Bill, and all of these other people who are so convinced. How many studies have you actually read? Is, is it one? Meaning, I don't think any of them have read any studies. They pick up the New York Times, and somebody says, well, most climate, or 97% of the climate scientists say such and such and so and so. I don't think you can come forward and assert that it's well-settled science if you haven't actually even read one of the studies. Now, I'm not claiming the opposite. I'm claiming I'm not involved in this debate, but I keep getting sucked into it. Like Don Corleone, right? <laughs> I, I'm out keep and keep pulled pull, pulling me in. back in. But the point is that this science is complicated. Read one study before you come forward as another one of these echo chamber types. Just because everybody keeps, re- all of your friends in Hollywood keep repeating to you what you're saying, that doesn't make it more right or wrong. It's irrelevant. So that's the problem with the left. They really are an echo chamber. Yeah. Well, of course they are. And they they use, was it securitous or roundabout Circuitous. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, sure. Logic. Yeah. See, I had to make sure I pronounced that right. Unlike the left, they'll just say whatever they want to say and say that what they said was right. Well, it's a $3 word, but I'll only charge you a dollar. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. Talib said that we're going... Talib, I think, is the only speaker ever before the NAACP that had the uh, Academy Award music played for her. Oh, did she? And, yeah, she wouldn't shut up. So oh, they, they, so they, they, they started I see. playing. I they, started, they brought the music <laughs> up to cover her, so she finally sat down and was quiet. That's funny. Yeah, that happened yesterday as well. Yeah, I, I wish I should have. I really should have played that because it is very funny all right we got to get a break in let's do that then we got a lot more to talk about i want to talk more about this article that uh, robert sent me it was new york times right new york times okay yeah, yeah if it if you're saying that we're saying that you're racist and if you deny that you're racist uh then you really are racist we'll talk about it here on the dave ellswick show so i want to get back and talk some more about this new york times article uh, dealing with you know, if someone calls you a racist, basically, especially New York Times, if you deny it, well, that just goes to prove you're even more of a racist that you would deny it. Denying it proves that you are a racist. And, I'm not white. And I, I just wanted to let uh, Robert talk about this a little bit. And then I want to get to, to another story. Uh, the Detroit Free Press uh, published this about Miss Michigan, World America, was stripped of her title over offensive social media posts, which were conservative. We're going to talk about that as, think about that. 
it, it's gone as far as taking away if you're Miss, you know, Miss uh, World now. Oh, by the way, it's not a white girl. It's an Asian lady that they uh, took it away. And I think one of them is hilarious because she was at a campus and she went up to a booth and it was try up try on a, a, a Jeep. And she said, no, I don't want to try, a, try on a hijab. And uh, she just asked a question. She says, is it now that a hijab is a fashion accessory and not a religious symbol? And they thought that was terrible. All right, so anyway, well, I think there's some pretty good humor in that. All right, Robert, let me turn it over to you about yeah, well, being let me, racist. Let me read you a quote from this article in the New York Times. I think it's an opinion piece, to be fair. I don't. Well, to, yeah, it's an op-ed. It's right. not a news story. Right, right. But it becomes harder and harder to, to tell a to tell in the New York Times. It really does. Yeah. And I still read the New York Times. A friend of mine who's a good conservative said, why? I said, I don't know. Maybe it's just habit. So here's let me read you a small section of this. Ponder this. These words, this is from the New York Times. There is racial bias embedded in nearly every aspect of American life, financial, medical, judicial, political, nutritional, environmental, educational, you name it. Racism, so this is the article, just to be clear. Racism is in America, uh, excuse me, racism in America is like air says the article, all around us, being constantly inhaled and exhaled. And if you are white, proving very beneficial to your health and survival. It's precisely, says the article, for that reason, that many white people are incredulous when they see a person of color heaving, gasping for breath, complaining that the air is poisoned. How is it that this invisible thing that sustains me simultaneously causes you grievous injury? That, says the author of this article, is what white people are thinking. Isn't this unbelievable? And this is, I'm sorry, right? I can't even take this seriously. This is 20, Who is this? this is, um, Who is this author? What's his name again? I've, he's he's a well-known uh, Charles Blow. Who is he? He's a commentator for the uh, New York Times. Okay. Charles Blowhard. Wait, yeah, what? Okay. What? <laughs> Who said? They should have had the heart right. on the end of that. Yeah, exactly. I, mean, I agree with you on that. You know, my Amazing. my parents came here in the 50s, right? Before the civil rights movement. Of course, my parents, get this. My parents were immigrants, obviously. Jewish immigrants. My parents were Jewish. My father was swarthy skinned. He was kind of dark, Mediterranean looking. Yeah. You know? Um, a lot of people thought he was um, Puerto Rican because we lived in New York. And that was probably the, the most dominant immigrant group at the time. I'm guessing because this is what he told me. He said, yeah, a lot of people thought I was did, Puerto did Rican. Did they keep asking if he was a shark or a jet? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And yet, if my dad were to read that column today, no less, years ago, and he said, we said, well, sure, there was some racism, but also there was a lot of good people and a lot of... He'd go off. He would, he would say, what country? What? And let me, let me draw an analogy. I, t- I may have told you this story. When my dad, during World War II, uh, my dad was born in Poland, and then... They um, not a good place to oh, be when the gosh. Nazis took over. And so he was there when the Nazis came in, and then when the Soviets came in six weeks later. Wow! And then his family fled to the Ukraine, and from the Ukraine, and the Ukraine was under Soviet control, and the, and the Soviets moved 
his family, amongst many others, out of the Ukraine, in part because they were afraid of the Jews, meaning they thought it's the called Jews... called pogroms. Yeah, pogroms, yeah. They, they never trusted the Jews. Well, you don't want to leave those Jews too close... Close to the border because we don't know whose side they're on. Wait, well, you think they're on the Nazi side? But in any event, that that um, element of anti-Semitism uh, likely saved his life. Sent him, of course, to Siberia mm. for the winter. Hey, good place for the winter. Be, yeah. Uh, and then after that winter, they emigrated um, down to Kazakhstan, which is part still of the Soviet Union. They were allowed to move within. Uh, at that point, they were allowed to move within the Soviet Union. In any event. So years later, of course, my dad came to America, as I've told you, and there was something on television and my dad referred to it as propaganda. It was some sort of political propaganda. But the word propaganda to me then, and even to some extent now, was more reminiscent of things that the Soviets did. because They were known, yeah. right? So I said to him, uh, well, who has m- more propaganda, the Soviets or what us. Were, us right and he laughed and he said well it's not even close the soviets right this is not well yes this is technically propaganda but if you if you what you're referring to what the soviets do is propaganda i'm not sure we should even use the word propaganda here because it's so much smaller and so my father who grew up seeing nazis seeing soviets with their anti-semitism um seeing and remember, he was Polish, so 90% of the Polish Jews were murdered. He's part of the 10% that survived. Out of 3 million Jews in Poland, 300,000 survived. He was one of them. Mm-hmm. He was one of them. And that's, of course, half, you know, 6 million Jews were killed by the Nazis, half of them from Poland. And so if he were to see something like this, <coughs> he would roll his eyes. Is it that That... Everything around the air in the United States, according to this guy, who, by the way, is an author for the New York Times, and he's African-American. But according to him, a man who works for the most prestigious newspaper in the country, and he's an opinion writer for that newspaper. We have toxic oxygen in America. Toxic racist oxygen in this world. Man, he must have some scuba mask because he's doing okay in that toxic environment where the air around him is poisoned. I wonder what his salary is, by the way. He's doing pretty good. He must have those. He must be like Aquaman, you know, with the special gills <laughs> so he can breathe within the poison air. Yeah, I know. It, again, crying wolf, baby. Crying wolf. Of course, wolf. crying wolf. Of course he is. All right, so when we come back. I mean, that's not, that's nuts, all right? That's an op-ed. But right. let's take this kind of thought process mm-hmm. to real life. That's right. And we'll talk about the Detroit Free Press and the story. Miss Michigan World America stripped of title over offensive social media posts because she is a conservative. We'll talk about that when we come back. More coming your way here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Stick around. We've got the news for you right now. Oh, wow. It is one minute. I thought we were at 59.59. Okay, so let me just give you the first. Yeah, bring it up. Give us a Michigan pageant contestant and fan of President Donald Trump was stripped of her title for what she calls discrimination against her conservative political views. Kathy Zhu. I'm going to say Z-H-U. I mean, yeah. it's probably Zhu. 
a University of Michigan student, was dismissed as a Miss World American pageant participant when the organization described the content of her social media as, quote, offensive, insensitive, and inappropriate, according to a letter from the pageant that she posted on her Twitter account. Zhu is a well-known political commentator, online figure. She's got 80,000 followers in her Instagram and Twitter accounts combined. Here's your news. All right, back with you, Dave Ellswick Show. By the way, Ted Nugent ripped Michigan over the weekend, saying that it doesn't qualify as America anymore. Why is that? He says, take a look at uh, Detroit. He just uh, just talks about uh, how they run the state, things of that nature. I mean, Ted's from Detroit, Michigan. Is he? I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah. Interesting. He's from Detroit, Michigan. Uh, Miss World America didn't respond with comments despite repeated att- attempts to contact her. Uh, they, they just went after her. Despite the apparent support from her peers, the tweets Zoo claims caused Miss World America to disassociate with her caused uh, a backlash on social media. Zhu still defends the two now-deleted tweets that she blames for her firing. The first is an incident that dates to 2018, which Zhu went up to a Muslim student association booth celebrating World Hajib Day. And is there really such a thing? And who made that decision? I mean, I'm just wondering. Yeah, who declared, who world, declared world Hajib Day? Can, can I declare tomorrow? I is, think we it, should have World Cub, you know, Cubs Cap Day. I think tomorrow I'm going to do World Pocket Square Day. <laughs> I don't know. It's like different pieces of fabric, right? Well, she declined to wear a hajib. Uh, when she was prompted, uh, she said, there is a try a hajib on booth at my college campus. That's at the University of Michigan. Lord, to have this, to say what she says here, on the University of Michigan is going to rile, all right? You know what's interesting about that, by the way? Uh, and I, I don't care, by the way, if someone wants to wear hijab or not. But what I find interesting is, could you imagine if uh, some Christian group said, we want women to wear a, a scarf on their head, mm-hmm. a headscarf? Yeah. Well, I don't want to use the term that even sounds like uh, like hijab, right? You yeah. know, that, that, that we should, out of modesty, wear a headscarf so as not to be too... And that's why... Muslims wear hijabs. It's out of modesty, right? It's, yes. Uh, right. So, and men don't have to wear it. No, only women. No, only right? women. That's and so, true. if if some Christian group came out, and in fact, if you're in some Muslim countries, you're required. Oh, you're required. Yeah, yeah. And so, l- l- what would happen if a Christian group said, "We want women to wear a, a scarf on their heads, so as to not be too appealing, too provocative." That's the purpose. That's the purpose of the hijab, Dave. So if a Christian group came out and said that, what would the, would the left say? Oh, well, we respect your religious uh, beliefs. No. And, and, and even though we disagree and we think that women should be free uh, to, well, they are free, but we, we don't think it's a good idea, says this liberal group, for women to wear that. We respect your Do you think that would happen? Okay. Here's the rest of her tweet, okay? <laughs> she says, so you're telling me. That it's now just a fashion accessory and not a religious thing, question mark. Or are you just trying to get women used to being oppressed under Islam? Well, and that's the thing, right? That's the point I'm trying to bring out is that the left would normally oppose women being told to wear headscarves out of a notion of modesty. 
but not when not when it comes to the hijab. But yes, so if a Christian group would say it, I think there. I think that's absolutely clear, and I think that's just one example of the many of the hypocrisy of the American left. Okay, the other one that caused some problem. Did you know the majority of black deaths are caused by other blacks? Fix problems with your own community before blaming others. She says it applies for every community. If there's a problem, fix things in your own community before lashing out at others and trying to find an issue there. Here, let me go to those who live in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. The exact same thing. All right. Because of those two, she's stripped of her title. Give me a break. Well, you know, the, the second comment, I, I think, is, is inartful. But I will say a broader point that seems implied by her statement is the one that we have been discussing already, which is right. So Charles Blow says racism is everywhere. The problem with um, whatever problems may exist for anybody in a, a community of color is caused by racism, is caused by white people. Because remember, the definition of ra- racism is it's only accomplished by white people. And it's only, you can only say somebody is racist if you're a person of color. Indeed, indeed. And so if you take that notion and you combine it with the criticism of, uh, is it Zoo, Joe, whatever her name was. Uh, Zoo. Zoo. Uh, with, with Zoo, if you think about this, it's a criticism Inartful as it was, uh, but it's a criticism of all these leftists that are looking for these racist policies, meaning policies designed to focus on one's racial identity, identity politics, rather than substance, rather than merit, uh, and, and to point the finger of blame consistently and constantly at whatever, quote, white America, end quote, is. And that's not the way you actually solve problems. And by the way, there are problems in every community, including white communities, and they differ and they overlap. And blaming the other guy is not the solution. And so there is a broader point to be had from from even the latter comment. And in any event, both of those comments give rise to what we've discussed many times on your show before, Dave. Now, this is a private organization, and she probably signed some contract saying we can get rid of you for whatever reason we want. Yeah, may not even known she signed it. Right. Just saying. But be afraid. Be concerned. Pay attention to when government seeks to monitor your social media, and then some mid-level, inevitably leftist bureaucrat seeks to fire a government employee here in Arkansas because that mid-level, inevitably leftist bureaucrat doesn't like some conservative comment written on a Facebook page in the footsie pajamas, as I always say, of, of some government worker. And that's why next term we're going to pass a law with or without the help of our good friend, you you recall, I may not mention his name for the next two seconds, uh, <laughs> who who somehow thought it's better in agreement with the bureau hacks that came to testify from the municipal league, the municipal league, those people who quite literally take taxpayer dollars and represent senior administrators in municipal government against the citizens of Arkansas, 
and some university employee slash spokesman who said, oh, no, 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 we want to be able to fire people if they put something on their Facebook posts. Remember that notion, folks, because during the next legislative session, that bill is coming up again, and you are going to call your senators and representatives. How do I know? Because Dave Ellswick's going to ask you to do it. Yeah, I will. And tell them enough is enough with the heavy hand of big government looking over my shoulder as to what I write on Facebook. Now, I don't even have Facebook, but most people do. He's behind times. Oh, I'm behind times in so many in so many ways. He's so antiquated. He's a lot younger than I am. Oh, he, exactly. He's a Luddite. That's it. That's it. <laughs> but the fact is, I'm tired of these unelected mid-level leftist bureau hacks telling our hard-working citizens who happen to be working for the state, well, you can do this, but you can't do that because I'm the definitely boss. definitely can't do this on your own time. Yeah. On your own time. Yeah. On your own time, Dave. And that's it's one thing if you're doing it on no, a state computer. No, you shouldn't do any of it on the state's time. You shouldn't be going on the Facebook on the state's computer. Go home. That's a different thing entirely, but it's about <clears throat> mind control. And the difference between private sector is some guy owns a private sector business. He can, his, his, who owns the public sector business? We do. Yeah. We do. Not the bureau hack. The bureau hack's job is to make sure that the work gets done. That's it. That's it. Not to be the social conscience for the state when inevitably, that leftist is in the minority view, no less. Okay, want to ask you a question. Yes, sir. After President Donald Trump called for four Democratic lawmakers, all women of color, to go back to the countries from which they came, critics widely decried his tweet as racist. Now, got a question. Would that have changed if three of them were only of color? Yeah. Or two of them? Or one of them? Would it would that have changed anything? Do you it's, believe it's actually a great question, Dave? And I think that you you hit the the nail on the head in the sense that the leftists need very little to hang their hat on. That hook doesn't need to be deep at all. If there's even uh, some third cousin twice removed that they can point to the finger uh, as a person of color, then anything they don't like, they'll they'll come out with a claim of racism. And indeed, even if they can't, you watch. They'll figure out some way to claim racism. Okay, by the way, I'm, I'm, I'm looking here at my, my, my Israel uh, app. Mm-hmm. Okay, it keeps up with like JTA and others. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're going you're gonna to love what they say here. Talking about Tlaib. Mm-hmm. A Palestinian American wants a binational state. An anthem to Israel and pro-Israel community. Omar is a sometimes harsh critic. Sometimes? Mm -hmm. She's always a harsh critic of Mm -hmm. this. Who has apologized for voicing her criticism in terms many called anti-Semitic, but uh, says she supports two states. Tlaib and Omar back the movement to boycott Israel. Presley opposes it, and Ocasio-Cortez has not made her views clear on the subject. I'm just saying... Sometimes this is an Israeli reporting organization. And, and, and let me show you the difference, by the way, between the left and the right. 
So they're talking about that boycott movement, which is really a, right, really a bad idea. Um, but there are there are those, and I'm a strong supporter of Israel. Depending how the boycott claim at any given moment is fashioned, I don't believe it is necessarily anti-Semitic. I don't think it's a good idea, but I will not use a blanket claim of anti-Semitism against this boycott Israel movement. Okay. Why? Because I don't throw around the label of anti-Semitism unless I have ample evidence to use it. And the problem with the left, as we've been discussing throughout the show today, Dave, is the left throws out the claim of racism with no evidence whatsoever. And so they cry wolf, and then nobody pays attention. And then they cry that nobody pays attention. You see, it's all around you, Dave, says Charles Blow. It's in you the atmosphere. It. It's everywhere. <laughs> it's everywhere. Well, I just grab some of it. It's in the air. I'm choking on it. How is it? How is it? From, from a guy, I can't control myself because I'm breathing it in. who is an opinion editor at the New York Times and is African-American, and yet it's so overwhelming, it's so oppressive, that maybe maybe he snuck in. Did oh, I wait, just, did his I picture. Get, well, I'm his surprised they'll let me write what I write and pay me a gazillion dollars to write it. Maybe he has to pay them. Maybe, that, <laughs> maybe, maybe he's paying them. Maybe that's them. it. We got it wrong. We, we got, got it, it totally wrong. wrong. All right. Don't forget about Sunday's Auto Salvage, your number one choice for recycled auto parts. All cars and trucks reach their end in one of two ways. They either get driven into the grave, like I typically do, or you're in a wreck and they total your car. Might not mean that the engine's bad or the transmission's bad or anything. Or the big parts are bad. It just crunched your car up and the fixed to crunch part of it is going to cost more than the car is worth. So they total it. Well, there's nothing wrong with that uh, engine, so to speak. So why not use it instead of buying a, a rebuilt or a brand new one or God forbid you go out and buy a brand new car and take on another car payment for five or seven years. Use Sonny's Auto Salvage, where every part's guaranteed, comes with a standard warranty, one, two, three-year warranties on everything that they sell. All you got to do is call them. Talk to RD or talk to one of his professionals at 982-7451. That's 982-7451. All right, back with you. Just talking about fishing with with Robert. I'm not a big fisherman, never have been. But, you know, I got some friends that really like to fish, mm-hmm. so I'll go with them. I love Because it. I want to hang out with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't believe in just catch and release. As I told Robert, I believe catch and release as long as you're releasing it into hot grease. Exactly. Then oh, I'm all about it. it. Or oh, you want to you want to put it in the oven and, and bake it. Mm-hmm. With that, I love fish. I love mm-hmm. to eat it. I mm-hmm. just eat about anything I eat calamari and all that stuff but uh as far as uh just being out to you know i like sitting on the one you know and sit, i'm not i'm not a person just sits i like, like catching them i went with my buddy who's been on your show the excellent attorney chris corbett and we went fishing with his son and i caught nothing but not um, two fish were caught by the three of us in total and i was not one who caught either one of those but it was a bad day, so we're well, gonna. That's go why back. they call it fishing, not catching. Yeah, we got to go back. But I always say, everybody has to understand. You know, it's just like you know why we call it golf, because all the other four letter words were taken. There you go. <laughs> just the way it is. I and yeah. I've quit playing golf because right. I got decent at it, but I couldn't get any better. 
And instead of getting upset because he couldn't make a shot, I put my clubs away. And I can tell you, you could go in my garage, and they're sitting there, and they got spider webs on them. I don't touch them anymore. Yeah, I was never a golfer. I'm, well, it's it's not about it's about my personality. Mm-hmm. If I can't be really really good, then best that I don't even really try. Just the way it is. That's how it works. So, what are you um, are you waiting for Mueller to talk this week? Are you? I think, that's, I think that's going to be Wednesday, right? Yeah. Well, I think be. I, I don't think Mueller is going to say anything interesting. I think the questioning is going to be interesting to see how the dynamic plays oh, how out. Politicalized. Yeah, it's just theater. It's just political theater. So, I kabuki think, dancing. Exactly. Exactly. Washington style. The way it always so, works. So. I'll watch some of it. I, I actually won't likely watch all of it because I think I'll get fit. But it's it, it's an interesting political exercise, and I don't mean that as a compliment. I think it's largely a waste of time, but they're entitled to do it. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that somehow they're not, but I think it's uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be theater. All right. Here's the left, okay? I read a comic book. For the excitement of the comic book. Or I go see a comic book movie for the comic book, the excitement of it. People who are gay always tell me don't judge me by my gayness. That's not That does not define me, right? But then the writers dealing with this stuff, it becomes the defining issue. Story today. Give you an example of this. This is from Paul uh, Boyce. Uh, After actor Tom Holland said Spider-Man could come out gay in a future installment, uh, more stuff has been coming up now. It says uh, Tessa Thompson one up to him by saying that her character, Valkyrie, introduced in Thor Ragnarok, could become the Marvel Cinematic Universe's first LGBTQ superhero. Quote, as new king of Asgard, she needs to find her queen. That will be the first order of business at Thompson during Comic-Con panel, panel according to uh, THR. That's Hollywood Reporter. In Avengers Endgame, the character Thor declared Valkyrie the new queen of Asgard. Either Ever since her character appeared in Ragnarok, Thompson has pressed the point that Valkyrie's sexuality swings both ways. Who cares? Now, well, what she's well, saying, what these people, what folks say about sexuality, it is not a defining thing. So why is it a defining thing? Well, and I think there's a broader point, which is there, there are certain movies where sex, sexual orientation, uh, related issues are a core aspect of the story bohemian rhapsody that's right that's it you know Dave, that's an excellent example that's exactly right and so i do know people who are conservatives are like oh, i don't want to see that well you don't have to buy a ticket no nope. you don't have to go see it but you can't do a biopic on what's his name the lead singer from queen what's his name again freddie mercury freddie mercury thank you you can't do a biopic on freddie mercury and without talking about homosexuality that's right that's right that's right and and i think they actually did it very or hiv that's right that's right but this is superhero. This is comic book stuff. Why are we introducing sexuality in it at all? Well, you know, they wear their skin tight. Okay, look. <laughs> Why are we getting into the level of who is sleeping with whom and what? 
it's too much. It's not. It's just. It, it, All it's I can so, think about right now is the old Saturday Night Live cartoon skit, the ambiguously gay duo. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. I'm just saying, it's just silliness. Yeah, it's too much. Right? I mean, it's, and, and it has nothing to do with, uh, I've got no problem with gay characters or straight characters, but it needs to make sense for the storyline. Otherwise, you're just kind of pushing something where where it's, there's no there's no reason for it. Either way. Except. Yeah. For acceptance, well, it's a it's a politics thing, right? It's a that's right, right? But it but it's my point is it's you can be wholly accepting of uh, um, gay people, straight people, whoever you want to be accepting of, and you don't need to see that in a superhero movie. It doesn't need to be part of the discourse in a superhero movie. One one way or the other. I mean, what like a character walks up to. Uh, what was it? It was in, um, I forget what movie it was, a Valkyrie. A woman walked out of her bedroom. Mm-hmm. Why? Why was, why was that necessary? Yeah. yeah. I don't, I, yeah. I, I don't get it. Why? I don't even think they need to have a man walk out of her bedroom. Well, that's my point. It's, it, it doesn't, it, it's not, I, I want to be clear about this. It's not the objection that a woman walks out of the bedroom. No. The objection is why are you I'm sexualizing of, Yeah, this? I don't have it. It doesn't matter to me. Right. Right. All right. We're done, bud. I know it. We'll get back together Wednesday because we want to talk about Mueller. About Mueller, right. I'll have you come in because i got to have a political i got to have a political person, somebody knows the law for that because yeah. there's going to be a lot of legalese crap being thrown around. So we'll have you back for that tomorrow. We'll all aboard in Benton. We'll be there live. We're going to have the folks from the uh, uh, power panel in. Yes, Jan Morgan will be there as well as the Bible guys. We'll see you there at 2. Thank you, Robert, for coming in today. Thank you. God bless. Talk to you later. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.